G'day, Mike Hussey here, but you can call me Mr. Supercoach. KFC Supercoach BBL is back and there's 25 grand up for grabs. So what are you waiting for? Play today at supercoach.com.au. T's and C's apply. New South Wales authorisation number TP slash 01005. This is the Saturday Session with Daniel McCarty and Grant Elliott. I'd like to know who's Rodney and who's Del Boy. This is, this is from, uh, what's Only it? and horses, Only mate. and horses. I thought it was the other guys. Uh, this time next year, we're going to be millionaires. What's that one? I'd have no idea, mate. Nor I have no idea what that accent was. Good morning to you, Grant. <laughs> Good morning. Good morning to the listeners. I'm really looking forward to some controversial calls in, some texts in. We even had some controversial texts in last night. Uh, during the cricket, we were in these very seats last night, weren't we, Daniel? We were indeed. Calling Ireland versus New Zealand. You were, the word was intrepidus. <laughs> I don't know. You found a word that was online. I was confident and I was correct. And you were probably a little bit half empty. Oh, that's what I am. I'm a half empty vessel generally most of the time. Which is why we make a good Trepid- Trepidation. Trepidation. It's, that's, uh, that's how I was feeling. So I think I went with the, uh, the Latin word uh, that um, led us to that wonderful word that is uh, trepidation. I'm feeling a little bit better than trepidation right now. Welcome aboard the show. This is the Saturday Session. Grant Elliott is here. I'm Daniel McCarty. Ben Francis, producer extraordinaire, will uh, be along for the ride. The ride rolls through till 1 o'clock. We've got a busy old show for you as always. We invite you to join us from this very moment, 0800 150 811. Uh, open line talk, um, you can text us as well on double eight double three. What is coming up as far as our big features? Well, our, our sporting legend of the week in association with Somerset. Uh, we have got an utter legend of rugby union, uh, one of the very finest players to ever lace them up for New Zealand, um, who knows one or two things about winning a, a Women's Rugby World Cup as well. I think uh, only four titles to a name. Yeah, the great... I don't use that word uh, lightly. The great Anna Richards uh, joins the program at about quarter past 11 to reflect on her incredible career. She was a multi-talented athlete. I think I played rep tennis, but a netball as well, national rep and touch rugby and rugby sevens as well. Yeah, uh, first woman to be awarded the Steinlager Selva for outstanding service to New Zealand rugby. Yeah, only played international footy for 20-odd years. Yeah, only. 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 Anna Richards will join us in the next hour. We will also talk the Rugby League World Cup. We're going to be uh, joined by uh, Blake Ashford uh, to pick over, well, uh, the quarterfinals. One's happening right now. Australia's running up a bit of a cricket score. Certainly better than their top order at the T20 World Cup, uh, the Australian Rugby League side. Josh Haddokar's filling his boots, got 10 tournament tries. Uh, that's, that's more tries in the number nine jumper than uh, one Cameron Smith. That makes him a better player than Cameron Smith in the number nine jumper, I'm sure. Yeah, that's a bit of a bugbear at the moment, isn't it, the numbers? Yeah, that is uh, who is joining the show um, as far as interviews. Anna Richards is our legend, and Blake Ashford will look at the quarterfinals. I'm really looking forward to to those, especially Tonga Samoa. The other three do look look like foregone conclusions. Tonga Samoa 
uh, less so. But uh, before we rip into your calls and get into some of the topics Grant and I are interested on, on 0800-150-811 and double eight double three. let's uh, look at uh, the sporting headlines at three minutes after 10 o'clock. Uh, Grant, you may be aware that New Zealand have become the first team to reach the men's T20 World Cup semi-finals with the 35 win over Ireland. Did you watch it? Yeah. Oh, you oh, did. You I did. did. Oh, I, good, good. I was calling that game right next to you. I, I, I do like it when you actually watch sport. Uh, New Zealand captain Kane Williamson scored 61 off 35 as they posted 185 for the loss of six. Or oh, Josh Little took a hat-trick for Ireland in the 19th over. They then restricted Ireland to 150 for the loss of nine with Lockie Ferguson taking three for 22. Uh, Ireland were 68 without loss. Yeah. After oh. eight overs now, weren't they? England will join New Zealand um, with a win over Sri Lanka. If not, you know what happens there, Grant. But a defeat or a washout would see defending champions Australia get through, who beat Afghanistan by just four runs. So Group 1 is still alive. Group 2 is even more complicated. We'll get into that a little bit later. Uh, to basketball now, and the Brooklyn Nets have suspended Kyrie Irving for at least five games without pay, dismissed by his repeated failure to, quote, unequivocally say he has no anti-Semitic beliefs after Irving later, um, with Irving later issuing an apology for his social media posts last week about a book and movie that feature anti-Semitic tropes. Irving had refused to apologise during a post-practice media session, and the Brooklyn Nets subsequently said Irving is currently unfit to be associated with the Brooklyn Nets. Uh, for those counting the cost, five games, I think he'll cope. He's earning just US dollars in salary alone. It's the second straight season that the Nets have had to um, send Irving away from the team. Last year, it was when he refused to be vaccinated against COVID-19, making him ineligible to play home games due to New York um, state laws. They eventually brought him back to play road games in December, and he was unable to return. Um, he was able to return to full uh, participation in March when New York um, vaccine mandate for athletes and performance was lifted. And the Houston Astros are one game away from winning the World Series after beating the Philadelphia Phillies three games to two in game number five to take a three games to two lead in a best of seven series. Uh, headlines at the top of the hour throughout the program, six minutes after 10 o'clock. All right, Grant Elliott, what's top of your mind as far as talking points for the sporting week? It, there's no lack of high caliber options, right? And you know I do like games with jeopardy. Knockout games of sport. You love that. I love that, and we are to the nitty-gritty of the, the World Cups that we've been following with great interest. We're into the quarterfinals of the Rugby League World Cup. I've mentioned probably one out of th four games really interests me. The Women's Rugby World Cup hit semi-final stage. I rather, perhaps, according to some, rather unfairly said the semi-final stage is when the tournament starts for me because I see three clear contenders, uh, maybe just one legitimate contender, uh, we can argue over that, and uh, the T20 World Cup is also getting to the knockout stages, but I probably shouldn't complain about that tournament, because gee, there's been some twists and turns, and good luck trying to figure out what's happening in Group 2. Yeah, well, I think there's a couple of things. In the headlines, you spoke about Kane Williamson. Everyone will be waking up in the morning going, yes, our skipper's back in form. Back in form with Kane Williamson. Is he? Is he back in form? Love to hear your thoughts about Kane Williamson and Lockie Ferguson got the mention about his wickets. However, it was Satner and Sodi throughout the, the middle stages that probably deserve the plaudits. Um, how confident are you, the listeners, about what Daniel McCarty's been talking about? The, 
the women's semi-final, the Black Ferns, but also how confident are we in the Black Caps? Is this going to be the time where we can actually get a, not only the mace in the cr Cricket Museum, but get the T20 World Cup trophy? We need silverware. When I played, we always got silverware, but it was for the spirit of cricket. It was never for actually winning a world tournament. So I'd love to hear from our listeners how confident they are because I know that you're a realist, but you're also half empty a lot of the time. <laughs> I like to think that I'm quite positive, but also maybe a realist. I'm, I'm always cautious. I don't like to go in overconfident. I like to be level. I always have high expectations of New Zealand at world tournaments. We're, you know, for, for a very, very long time, I've been saying New Zealand have an excellent record at one-day World Cups. But now it's across the board. This, by my math, is the sixth straight men's world event where New Zealand have got through to, at the very least, the final four. So, semi-final of the 2022 T20 World Cup. Tick. Tick. Finalist. Same event last year, of course. Uh, Grant, I'm not sure if you're aware, New Zealand won the World Test Cricket Championship in 2021. <laughs> you are aware of that, yes? I am tick. The 2019 Cricket World Cup final happened. New Zealand were involved. Um, I have no memory of that game. We won that. Yeah, well, we were joint, joint winners. We were joint winners. Uh, the 2016 T20 World Cup made the semi-finals, and uh, you played in a, in a game in 2015, didn't you? At the MCG? Can't remember the final. Yeah, uh, you remember <laughs> the semi, don't you? Yeah, lo love to get your thoughts on um, these these uh, uh, world uh, tournaments, uh, the cricket, women's uh, rugby World Cup. I'm a little bit nervous. Not of the final and possibly playing England. Just getting past France. France have had the number over New Zealand in recent times. Uh, Simon, welcome to the show. Yeah, g'day, boys. How are you this morning? All right? Yeah, we're, we're great, mate. G'day, we're great. Simon. The sun is shining. Apparently, I'm Captain Negative, but I'll, I'll try and see the light. Oh, if you're good at it, mate, you just carry on. Thanks, buddy. Um, Appreciate it. Yeah, sorry, 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 Daniel. Um, <laughs> just on the cricket, um, I think I think possibly we've missed a trick. We've got a couple of guys up the spout sitting on the decks, but do you, I think we probably would have beaten England if we'd have played Bracewell. I mean, it's, it sounds ludicrous to play three spinners, but, and again last night... Um, some of the paces, they're all having their off day here and there. But what do you think? Why don't we take a punt and play three spinners? And we're not going to lose anything with Bracewell batting, are we? Hey, that's a, that's a really good thought, Simon. Because I think, you know, that is the one position. The one position that we're talking about, I guess, is that that position of, you know, Nisham and Bracewell. Do we play Nisham? Do we play Bracewell? Um, and that all comes down to the conditions. We probably didn't assess the conditions as well as we should have because Satna ended up bowling in the first six in the power play where he doesn't normally bowl. So if Satna bowls in the power play, well, then you you need spin through the middle as well. So I actually think that that would have been a great tactical, uh, a, a lot of tactical awareness from Gary Stead and Kane Williamson if they had done that. Is that what you were thinking, Simon, that you were replacing James Nisham with... Michael Bracewell, or were you thinking maybe more of actually one of the front-line fast bowlers? I was thinking Tim Southey after he got pumped, but never mind. Hindsight's a wonderful thing. You could have said Trent Bolt last night too, but uh, like they said in the commentary, uh, only one of the two go for some some runs. Normally there's one plays good and the other one gets a bit of a, a hiding. But um, both quality players, but 
I think they've got to be looking at these things and, and, and seeing what these pitchers are doing, but uh, I couldn't believe okay. how much turn Santa was doing last night. Simon, can I ask you a question? Uh, Cricketer A has seven wickets and the economy is at 6.35. Cricketer B has seven wickets at this tournament, economy rate of 8.13. Who are you dropping amongst those two? Both are fast bowlers. <laughs> yeah, it does come down to stats, but I guess we've just got to look at Oh, it no, it, do, it doesn't. Up. It doesn't, Simon. It doesn't always. But Tim Southey has been quite effective. But I, I take your point. I think Grant's more onto it. I think you would replace well, I Bracewell. Think, you'd place Nishan with Bracewell, but then you're kind of picking Bracewell for his batting, aren't you, Grant? No, I just think you've got a, a semi. A, Jimmy Nisham hasn't bowled right in this tournament, and the reason why he hasn't Placed bowled six balls, yeah, is because it's semi friendly conditions. So, the, which is why you play Saudi because if there is swing, and there has been swing in this competition so far, maybe because of the precipitation, whatever it is, there's been a bit of swing and movement. So you play him. But the person that you do look to replace is the batting all-rounder, um, which is uh, the Nisham Bracewell. You pair those two together. So is it going to be conducive to spin, Bracewell plays, if it's going to be seam because Nisham is your backup bowler? And we were chatting about it last night. The way that you target New Zealand is you have to target them in, in, with spin. So you'd have to get on top of Satna, on top of Sodi to force Nisham to bowl or force Ferguson or Southie to come back yeah. at that stage, which means that Nisham will bowl at the back end in the 19th or 18th over. And that would be tactics that I think teams will be looking to, to utilise going through to finals cricket. Great thought, though, Simon. Great f- thought. Just quickly, where are the semis and that being played? Do you guys know? Uh, if you give me five seconds, I'll bring up the appropriate page. Um, the semifinals are being played at Sydney and Adelaide. Uh, I haven't actually figured out which side New Zealand would go to. Well, it depends on you know, if uh, England won That's by right. a million runs tonight. They could theoretically finish top now, couldn't they? So uh, Sydney and Adelaide. So New Zealand's won at both those venues. And uh, yeah. the finals at the uh, the Melbourne Cricket Ground. Hey, how are you feeling overall, Simon? What chance? What, what's your confidence meter? Oh, I'm, I'm, I'm quietly confident because we're just like built into it. We've got we got a little bit of a tap up early, and 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 I'm quietly confident about everything. I haven't been watching the New Zealand 15 game. I'm just going in to watch that now. But uh, I'm quietly confident that all four teams might go all right this weekend, and the and the Black Caps will go on to win it if they get to the final. Good on you, Simon. Hey, I appreciate yes, your thoughts, mate. Really do. Thanks for throwing that out. It's really an interesting. Uh, Thanks, point. Simon. Because I, I think you're right. I think it is a, a Nisham or a Bracewell. They're gonna they're gonna stick with. Well, the five bowlers have done such a good job. It'll be tough on them. G'day, Adam. Welcome to the show. Where are you calling from? G'day, Adam. Good morning, gents. From Timaru. Oh, home of Anna Richards, if I'm not mistaken, right? Oh, uh, yeah, glorious. Yeah. Hey, Hamish um, Bennett. Real... Yes, yes. Plenty of decent triggers <laughs> come out of here. <laughs> hey, um, just wondering, there's a bit of a conundrum in Grant's thoughts. Is I'm guessing... The likelihood is that we will be playing South Africa and Sydney. Um, sort of spin conducive there. You, you chat with Simon just then about Bracewell. Um, I sort of think that last night that was our best side at the moment. But, yeah, I don't know if you try and tinker with something comes to me final time, but um, you just grow thought on that, really. Yeah, I think, um, Adam, you know, when we're talking about Bracewell and Nisham, one of the things you look at is you go, on average, your number seven actually faces seven balls in the game. 
So you go, well, who's going to be the most effective? Is Bracewell going to bowl six balls and face seven balls? Or is Nisham going to bowl six balls and face seven balls? Who's going to be involved in the game more than the other? And it comes down to the conditions. Sydney is spin conducive. So it'll be very fascinating to see. And what I think will happen, and the blueprint that has been for the Black Caps for, well, the last six years or so, has been consistency. You pick faith. If consistency and faith in your team. Faith, so Faith in selections. I think the yeah. skipper's done a really good job captaining the side. Um, you know, people have had, you know, criticised him, but the way he kept on the two spinners last night, I thought was important after both conceding, you know, large runs in the first overs. I, I, I understand where everyone's coming from. I just don't think they're going to make. They're it not going to do it. It's going to be yeah. consistent. Bracewell won't play. They're going to play the same eleven that they've played, and that's what we did in 2015. Players were told at the start, but I do like the discussion. I think that it it is something that you need to look at. What you also have to realize is that the semifinals and finals will probably be on a fresh pitch. It's probably not going to be on a used pitch. Some of these games have been played back-to-back, which does make a difference. So I think there'll be fresh wickets. I think they'll stick with the same team. Nisham will play. I think, unfortunately for Bracewell, even though he's a very dynamic player, and I think he can do just what Nisham does at the, the end of the innings, Nisham probably has more experience to finish the innings. Um, so expect more of the same from New Zealand, and let's hope they get to the final. What do, what do you think, Adam? Yeah, I'm quite confident. I think we'll get to the G. Oh, get to the G. Book your G- tickets. Book your flights now, the Adam. The G is the spot for the Black Caps. Hey, 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 hey Adam, what get else are you watching this weekend? <laughs> <laughs> Good on you, brother. Have a great weekend, mate. Do appreciate your Thanks, thoughts. Adam. Thanks for holding there. We go to Goldie. Where are you calling from, Goldie? Uh, ah, beautiful. Oh. beautiful. Glorious day down there. You know, former holders of the... You, you almost won rugby a couple weeks ago, didn't you? Almost. Good luck next <laughs> year. Yeah, um, yeah, it's keen. It's keen, Snakey. Hey, I, I reckon the man to, um, <laughs> okay, no. to come in is uh, your brace for but, but Mitchell, Mitchell, I just think he's more one-day test. He can't drop Nisham. He's, he's the man to club them. Yeah, interesting thought, Goldie. I mean... Mitchell, Mitchell's been it's real gain. glue it's in gain. the team. It's gain. Oh, it's it's a misspelling. The great gain. You know, oh. Icon of, of, of down there. <laughs> okay. Well, I think, right. you know, Mitchell, Mitchell's been pretty dynamic in all three formats. When you look at him, even the last T20 World Cup he opened, uh, you know, match-winning innings in the, in the semifinals, and he's been very dynamic. And I, I think I agree with you in that Mitchell's probably more suited to one day and test cricket. But he has played some pivotal, you know, and, uh, and crucial innings for uh, New Zealand. I'd say he is more of that insurance policy of you've got Conway, Williamson, and Mitchell, who are your test players that can cope with any sort of bowling. Nisham, though, I think is the sort of guy that can come in and get 30 of 12 he's balls. He's a real wild card. Yeah, he, he, you've he's got power. Right, you've got an Allen at the top and you've got a Nisham at the bottom. Absolutely. And I think we could utilize the likes of Allen, Phillips, and Nisham a lot better than we do. Sometimes you should just send in Nisham. If you go, you've got a left-arm spinner, you go, Nisham, go in. Just like England have done with David Milan, even though he's a fantastic player and his record is unbelievable in T20, they just drop him down. When it gets past the power play, they just drop him down to eight. Um, and they use the power so that they can try and get as close as possible to that score of 200. I'm with you. I'm with you, 
So give me give me your optimism level of of this uh, this uh, New Zealand side and their chances. Uh, I reckon I reckon eight out of ten. The, the boys are going well. The team morale seems pretty good. They'll be off Kane's back. I reckon you know Phillips's energy and um, we could see Fennell and just have a bit of a better knock. Is, is the beast going to be short of a gallop? I mean, if they do play him, they, they probably won't. They're they're quite steady, aren't they, under old steady? Yeah, that, that, that they are. That, that, that is an apt name. And fair to say, again, will you be breakdancing if they win it? Mate, I reckon too, Gain. I reckon you'd thrash Razor in a breakdance off. I don't think there's any doubt about it. Great to hear your voice, my friend. Appreciate your time. See you, boys. Thanks, Gain. It is 20 minutes after 10 o'clock, 0800-150-811-8833. Started off with a few calls about the cricket. Let's carry on that conversation. But, of course, uh, Women's Rugby World Cup semi-finals, how we're feeling. Hope the crowd makes a real difference. Hope the crowd makes a real difference. I actually think the 16th person could be the, the decider. I think home field advantage is, is what I'm probably relying on. I, I smell an emotional hedge of a bet in that game. New Zealand are such warm favourites at the TAB. I, I'm not sure why. Um, maybe it's me being half, you know, glass empty. No, I think it's what, what you just said, the 16th man or woman mm. um, in the crowd, because I've actually backed them to win it. I mean, everyone says... Thing, haven't you? Yeah, everyone says that there's no way, you know, England will always beat them, being professional for a lot longer and dominant team. But I think that you raise a level, and I felt that in, in New Zealand, when you've got the whole crowd behind you, it makes a huge difference. And... India is the best example. When you hit a four in India, it's dead silent. When they hit a four, they, you get this, these endorphins and this adrenaline as an Indian player because the crowd just erupts. And what happens normally is they'll hit a four and they'll follow it up with a four or six because they get caught up in all those emotions, which can actually you know, play against them. But having the crowd behind you, uh, having felt that with cricket, makes a huge difference, massive difference. Happy to discuss that. Uh, the All Blacks are up against uh, Wales, of course, this weekend. 69 years since Wales have been in the All Blacks. Some 32 test matches. Got to go back to 1953 when Grant was just a young boy um, uh, to see uh, a victory for, for Wales. Love to discuss that. And the, the Rugby League World Cup quarterfinals. I'd love to hear someone from Team Tonga and someone representing Samoa. That's a delicious matchup for me. Tonga started as favourites at the TAB, but only just $1.59 to $2.25, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, let's hear from you. 0800-150-811 or double eight double three. back with more of your calls and takes after this. The Good Oil. All the fun and tips for your Saturday afternoon. It is 26 minutes, made that 27 minutes after 10 o'clock. Hope you're enjoying your Saturday. We certainly love to hearing from uh, you on 0800 Keep the calls coming. We do appreciate your thoughts on all things to do with uh, sport. Uh, morning, lads, writes Chris. Morning, lads. Great win last night and nice to see Australia pushed by Afghanistan. Do you think Bracewell would be better playing than Sodi? Question mark. And maybe Nishim or Phillips bat ahead of Williamson? Question mark. Cheers from Chris in Arnhem Land, Northern Territory, mowing the greens at the Gove Country Golf Club. Oh, what a they're champion. nice and fast. Um, fast greens at this time of the year. Can you can you get over to Wellington and do my lawns? They're outrageous again, Grant. Yeah, well, just looking at that, I mean, you know, would you play Bracewell ahead of Sodi? No. I think Sodi's more of a wicket-taker than Bracewell. 
the only reason why you would play Bracewell and not Sodi is if it's just a team of left-handers, potentially. Um, Bracewell I see as a batting all-rounder, um, and Sodi's just an out-and-out wicket-taker through the middle. Yeah, six wickets in four games so far for Sodi at this tournament. Average of 17, economy rate of 6.78. In fact, every New Zealand bowler has been excellent. Uh, top wicket-taker is Santner with eight. Sodi and Bolt um, at the bottom of the charts with six. Yeah. Southey and Ferguson have seven apiece. The economy rates, Southey 6.35, Santner 6.43, Sodi 6.78, Bolt 7.18, Ferguson 8.13. But Ferguson's fresh off three for 22 against Ireland and yeah, not against England. His, his last spell was a good one too at the death. So he looks like he's round against Well, he bowls tough overs, Ferguson. Middle no. overs are not that tough, but he bowls two at the end potentially. So... Um, yeah, I, I just think we've got a great bowling attack. I wouldn't tamper with that. When you ask about Nisham and Phillips ahead of Williamson, I think that, that should be situational. And we've spoken about this at length. We should almost just have a recording of it and press play, Daniel. But Devin Conway gets out and the power play came. Williamson comes in. And, and Allen gets out, then uh, Phillips should go in, not Williamson. That's how I would see it. And we've almost seen that ploy from England where David Milan, who is a fantastic T20 cricket player. I think he's in the top five in the world. Uh, they just drop him down. He's, he's featured to come in at three, but if they get past the power play, he just slides down, ends up coming in at eight, even though Daniel McCarty was calling for him to, to come in a lot earlier because of his strike rate. Remember, he came and played the, first, the last delivery of the game and oh, got three off one. Strike rate of 300. <laughs> Uh, I, I felt that was odd because he's had so much success against New Zealand um, and so much success against Isodi. Isodi, yeah. Over 100 T20 runs against Isodi alone off about 60 balls. Um, that's why I thought it was a, a, a little bit strange and I did milk it. Uh, good luck on those greens, Chris. I've just checked out some photos. It looks utterly delicious. Um, I'm rather envious. Uh, enjoy your morning at work. Up nice and early in the Northern, up in the Northern Territory doing... Um, his fine job. We've got another one here from uh, our good friend Jason Victoria. All right, Stanley Grant, I hope the Black Caps do well. If Australia do not make the uh, next stage of the T20 Men's World Cup, I admire the way the Black Caps play their cricket. Very kind of you to say, Jason. I hope you have a good uh, day. 0800 150 It's amazing the rabbit holes you go down in ad breaks in radio. Yeah. Oh, especially in this studio. Yeah, yeah. Some of them can be aired, some yeah. of them can't. I, just, I started thinking... Uh, I was, it's it's November. It's Movember. You know, good on anyone out there who's um, you know raising money for that uh, really important cause. I hope it goes well. I hope your tashes go well. I hope you uh, end up with a good tash, not a Finnellan tash. Well, we saw Finnellan's yeah. struggling on the tash, the tash meter, isn't he? Yeah, well, well we, not the greatest. He's better at smoking boundaries inside the power play. This rabbit hole started last night because yeah. we saw someone who's freshly shaven and sort of got a little, um, you know. Pencil shavings yeah, going, and someone who'd clearly cheated. Someone like, who I think was it Lockie Ferguson who had the no, good mow it on. Was, it was one of the Irish fast bowlers. He had a good mow on. It wasn't your man, no, Fee on hand. It wasn't Fee on hand. No, it definitely wasn't. Um, it wasn't. But there was a real contrast between the two, and that started you down the rabbit hole that is about to happen. Well, I can, who, I can feel it's I'd happening. I'd like to know who's rocking the best tash in sport at the moment. The current sportsman. The current champion of, you know, of world mis- sport moustaches. Only the important topics here on the Saturday session. 
Well, if you want, if you want to talk something serious, it's open line talk. It's it, it's it's your chance. You can set the agenda. The number is 0800-150811. It's toll free. There's a couple of lines open. You'll get through right now. But I'd like to know who's rocking the best tash in world sport at the moment. If you've got a suggestion, let me know. Ben Francis, any nominations? What what springs to mind? In terms of current athletes. Current. I'd like to know, current. who is the world moustache champion oh. right now? Who's got the best in the business? Well, the only only athlete right now I can think with a moustache off the top of my head is Lockie Ferguson. I, I'm literally stumped. I can give you... I, can I know. Give, Give you lots of. Cut, he's got cut. a shady. He's he's got a shady nineteen eighties looking mo, isn't he? Ravi Jadeja, when he when he has the twirl going, the twirl, yeah, that, that does look pretty good. Well, uh, the, the problem is, Daniel, is that the moustache it, it it peaked. The popularity of it peaked yeah. in the West in the eighteen eighties <laughs> and eighteen nineties. So it's a pretty gutsy move to be wearing a moustache, isn't it, Ben? Well, if you can pull it off. Well, I, I know I couldn't pull it off, so I, I wouldn't go. I can't. But I, if you want one of my personal favourites, if you look up uh, a darts player by the name of Steve Beaton, the Bronze Adonis. Uh, he's Steve Beaton. Steve Beaton, the Bronze Adonis. He's got a. He's got. He had, he used to rock quite a mo back in the day. Oh, he looks like a villain of Miami Vice. Fantastic eighties porn tash, that beautiful, one, beautiful that tash, beautiful, and the little little permed mullet that he's rocking there. Yeah, what a specimen he was. He's got um, the Hasselhoff going in his youth. That's a few years ago now. So Steve Beaton's a good shout. Um, I mean, world moustache champion in sport. Uh, listeners, we'll, we'll defer to you. You guys are the uh, more knowledgeable group. Oh eight hundred one five zero eight eleven, or maybe text through your uh, nominations to double eight double three. I could get Grant to come up with his, you know, all time moustache cricketing eleven. Graham, I Gooch. could definitely pass players, definitely, yeah, because Gooch they... and Boone have got to be opening the batting, don't they? Oh, Booney's at three, I reckon. Yeah, <laughs> David Booney never really opened that much, maybe in the white ball, but yeah, um, uh, there's plenty of bowlers. You know, you think of Paddles, Dennis Lilly, um, some South African players, Clive Rice. Oh, that was a sensational, round the corner. Yeah, J- Jimmy Cook might actually open. Um, yeah, with Who's Graham keeping? Gooch. Is it Rod Marsh or Jack Russell? Oh, got to be Rod Marsh. Oh, I like I the heavy I, one, I the heavy Jack, mo. I think Jack Russell had an underrated tash. Underrated tash. Well, I think Rod Marsh's was more of a magnum PI, whereas Jack Russell's was more of a Ravi Jadeja, wasn't it? <laughs> uh, yeah, so if you've got a nomination for current world champion in sport as far as moustaches are inspired by Movember, um, do let us know. Um, in a more serious uh, note, uh, the All Blacks are up against uh, Wales this weekend, Grant. Um, I, I mentioned 69 long years since uh, Wales had last beaten New Zealand. 1953, it's 32 test matches in a row. Last year, a lot of fans might remember uh, New Zealand winning big at uh, Principality Stadium, 54 points to 16. That, though, very misleading. That was played outside, technically, the international windows. This is inside the international windows, the autumn fixtures up in the north. Uh, so Wales couldn't call on their players who played outside of the Welsh competition. So they weren't as strong uh, as they should be this time around. Although they are missing Dan Bigger, their skipper, and, and key sort of uh, pivot. Lee Halfpenny, I understand, is in doubt, despite being named. That would be his, what, first game for Wales, I think, in about a year. Um They've been a little bit up and down against Wayne Pivak, uh, under Wayne Pivak, you know, the 
come close to winning a Grand Slam, of course, uh, but uh, been a little bit up and down. But the question for New Zealand rugby fans, um, can New Zealand go north, play badly and still win? Well, not badly, just be off their game a few notches and still win, like has happened a lot over the years. And could that happen in all three games? Like New Zealand play below standard and lose? Or do you still think maybe it is just England are the legitimate threat on this tour? That Wales and Scotland, you still just are unsure if maybe they have the, the top two inches to get over the line and end long, long uh, droughts against um, uh, the All Blacks. Love to get your thoughts, uh, rugby fans, uh, not only on the All Blacks, up against Wales and Wales' chances, but also uh, the Women's World Cup semi-finals. Uh, Canada are up against England. Canada... Um, I don't think have any chance, really, unfortunately, despite my connection to that wonderful country. Um, New Zealand v France, though, whew, I'm a very nervous man on that front. We'll be back after this break. It's 24 minutes away from 11. Our number is 0800-150-811. You could also text us on double eight double three. If there's such thing as moustache music, I think this is it. This is it. As you're sort of striding down the street, twirling that. Twirling it. Yeah. Well, you've seen me. I've been searching... The moustaches, greatest moustaches of all yeah, I've time. Completely lost Grant. I shouldn't have brought this topic up. I've completely lost him. You've lost me. All oh, I'm like, searching you know, now. What do you think of the All Blacks, the Black Ferns, you know, the Kiwis? Look at Graham Gooch. Look no. at that Tash. Gooch. Graham Gooch. Yeah, Remember well, him. That's why Graham Gooch is opening the batting in my all side, um, you know, all star, all time moustache 11, alongside Bo- David Boone. Booney's my captain. Yeah, he but, is my captain. And, and as Jason rightly points out, um, you know, Booney started as an opening batsman before moving to number three. True, he did. Uh, so Booney and Gooch, I'm struggling for middle-order batsmen. There's lots of bowlers. Clive I, Rice. Clive Rice could be yeah, well, he, middle-order. He's yeah, an all-rounder. Yeah, I've got him um, listed at number five on my side. I'm struggling for a three and a four, to be, to be fair. Adam Polio. Keep your nominations coming through. Um, Jason also asks, uh, boys, do you think there should be an Anzac rugby team to tour the UK every two years? Question mark. Um, no, I don't think there's enough scope in the calendar really for it. You still want your international sides to be able to go north, play those games, um, test themselves. I, I, I think an Anzac um, match against the British and Irish Lions would be great. When was the last time they did that? I remember, I remember what vaguely 1989. I. In Australia, I think it was. I loved that game as a kid. Yeah, I'd love to see that uh, uh, tacked on. Also love to see the British and Irish Lion... The Lioness Tour. Yeah, should be the Lion. That's what it should be called. Yeah. I heard that this morning. I heard Mark Robinson announced that there'd be a, a women's or Black Ferns Lions Tour. Yeah. And I was like, uh, I think that might be... And some callers will probably say, oh, Grant's getting really woke, but it should be the Lioness Tour. Well, the English uh, women's football side are the Lionesses. Oh, there you go. Go so, figure. G'day, yeah. Dean. How you going, guys? All right? Yeah, we're great, mate. What about you? Yeah, we're all good. Oh, you, I don't know. Oh, that moustache thing is a bit intriguing. You'd have to open the bowling with Merv Hughes, though. He'd have the best moustache I've ever seen. Yeah. Oh, Merv's it definitely in the side. Uh, yeah. I, I've tried yeah. to crowbar a New Zealander in there, so I've got I, I've got Sir Richard Hadley uh, sharing the new ball with Dennis Lilly. Yeah, well, yeah. <laughs> there will be too many batsmen today who want to face those two. No. no. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. It's bit, can Tony grow a moustache? Because you'd have him at first and the second slip with the Easter because he didn't drop nothing. <laughs> yeah, <I don't laughs> That's a good... Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
Dean, are you are you rocking a moustache at the moment? Have you ever rocked a moustache? Has it been a heavy one or a wispy one? Goatee, mate. Just a goatee. That's just the way it is. Oh. Probably sounds, you know, <laughs> to be brutally honest. <laughs> Stuck in the early 90s, mate. Nothing wrong with that, brother. <laughs> Nothing wrong. Have you got a serious sporting topic you like to raise or just talk tashes? No, no. Well, clearly, I'm looking forward to this game tonight against the Welsh. Like, I just, I don't, I just, I'm, I don't even know the words really. Like, I'm just concerned with the way the All Blacks are sort of going. Like, I just wish we would pick 15. I know, barring injuries and suspension and that, and just stick with it and see how we go. Like, I'm just, I, I just don't like Rico at 13. I'm sorry, I just don't. I, I love him mm-hmm. at 11. I just want to see him at 11. And I'm much as Sam Kane being hurt. I don't want to see anyone get hurt, but I honestly don't think since he hurt his back or his neck in South Africa, he's been the same as he was. And I'm hoping Dalton Popoliti, I mean, I'll put it, if you put a hat round to get him his hair dyed back black, I'd contribute to that. Or if at least if he put a seven in the back of that white shambles, I'd be happy with that. But he'll go well. Like I think he is the future in that jersey. He's got everything from his size, he's athletic, he's Big, strong. He's good over the ball. He hits hard in the tackle. The tackles are worried, though. God, anything goes near the head, you're just off, aren't you? Like that's, Yeah, you are. You are. But you're right about Papali. It's a big test for him, isn't it? I, I thought he made a real impact off the bench last week, um, and, and now's a, a golden opportunity, filling some reasonably big boots. Well, the, of course, he's not captain, of course, but um, he, he could make a huge statement um, uh, with a good performance against Wales. I, I was just, I was so disappointed with their attack again. Last week. It's just uninspiring, Dean, isn't it? It's just side to well, side and predictable. There's no, there's nothing ingenious about it. Well, you, well the, the genius wasn't there. Like, he's got an ear infection or some bloody thing. But once Will George gets to 15, you'll see a change because he hits the line with different angles. And until yeah. he's there, we the, the international game, if you look at all the sides, like, there's not a whole lot in the back play anymore simply because there's too many forwards out there. Like, the women's rugby, without being disrespectful, it's so good to watch because they do skip two, they do skip three, and they bring a full back in on an angle or a winger back on an angle. There's no forwards to run into. So it's like old-fashioned 80s rugby, which was... You know, it's, it's just... It's, it's hard to put into words, but I, I really enjoyed watching the women's play because... Yeah, so so have I. Um, it's entertaining. It's uh, attacking. It's less cynical. I, I think which uh, lends itself to a more open game. Really appreciate your thoughts, Dean. Got to go, mate. Got to get to a break. It's thirteen away from eleven. Back after this. Right. Speaking of rabbit holes, time to for us to go down a rabbit hole. Time for the odd show. The uh, quirky sporting stories you may have missed that you definitely need to know about. The bizarre, you might say, Grant. In sport, we've had cough gate, deflate gate, and of course sandpaper gate. But the latest is bag gate. What the heck am I talking about? The world of professional cornhole. Oh, my goodness. hole is reeling from a potential cheating scandal that happened several months ago, but has come to light. It happened at the 2022 American Cornhole League World Championship. Try and say that fast ten times. Uh, during the event uh, held in Rock Hill, South Carolina, the number one ranked team, Mark Richards and... Uh, Philip Lopez, were accused by a competitor of using bags that were not up to code, which uh, now has fans saying, the dirty underbelly is being exposed. Do I have your attention, Grant? 
Corn- this is not real. According Surely. to the American Cornhole League regulations, <laughs> cornhole bags must be six by six inches when laid flat and weigh 16 ounces. <laughs> with minor variation, variations tolerated, only minor. This week, the ACO has come out and said it will be cracking down on cheaters and the size of their bags. See, what will Americans stoop to stealing? Yeah. Well, we figured out cornhole. Uh, we had an angling Fishing. tournament. Angling. And, of course, you know, one half of the country tells us an election was stolen too. What oh have you my got? word. The American Cornhole League, the ACL. Yeah. I mean, I, there I thought it was just a game that you played at Christmas with the family. The Americans getting ultra competitive. Well, you better make sure it's regulation. The good news is, for Glasgow Rangers, is the Scottish club has pocketed over 15 million US dollars for competing in the Champions League. The bad news is, after waiting 12 years to get back into the competition's group stages, the club's return has been nothing short of a nightmare. After a 3-1 defeat by Ajax, Rangers finished the group stage with six defeats out of six, and with a goal difference of minus 20. Ouch! It scored only twice and conceded 22 times. Croatian club Dynamo Zagreb had previously held the worst record with zero points and a minus 19 goal difference set in 2011. Oh, unlucky, unlucky Rangers. Oh, two, conceded 22 times. Yeah, no good. That is no good. That's worse than no good. That's uh, all-time loser, Mark. Uh, our deepest... Um, Condolences to their fans. Lastly, you may have heard of Mark Cuban, uh, Grant, the owner of the Dallas Mavericks, and now businessman uh, is venturing into a new sport. It's called pickleball. Yes, that's right. Pickleball. Can't be worse than the Cornwall the story, co- surely. The new code league is operated by the Professional Pickleball Association and will feature six teams. A draft will be held in December ahead of the inaugural 2023 season. Cuban and five other team owners will select uh, their teams in a live draft in Las Vegas, uh, according to Front Office Sports. They'll have the ability to add and trade players throughout the season with the league's consent. The league will be a rival to Major League Pickleball. Whoa! So it's the Kerry Packer of Pickleball. Oh, where athletes, including Tom Brady, LeBron James, and Kevin Durant, currently own teams. Now, Pickleball, Grant, is what? Combination of sports, isn't it? Yeah, do you know which ones? No. Tennis, ping pong, and badminton. Oh, I'm, tr- I'm going to have to Do Google this in the break. Do you, do you have beers? Do you have to throw beer, like balls in a cup too? You would have to make me drink to play pickleball by the we, sounds of things. We could start our own sport. We'll, we'll get some beer pong thrown and we'll call it pickled ball. Because we'll be pickled. That's really bad. Isn't it? I'm going to really Google bad. it. I'm going to Google it bad. while you reflect on that joke. Yeah, that's really bad. <laughs> Welcome into hour number two. It's 11 a.m. 0800 150811. That is our number. You can text us double eight double three. We'll get into that in just a moment. Uh, later this hour, our uh, Saturday session legend segment uh, will uh, carry on and uh, we'll feature an absolute champion of uh, rugby. One of the very best ever laced them up for New Zealand. A former Blackfern extraordinaire, uh, Anna Richards, is joining the programme. Right now, though, let's um, give you some uh, headlines at the top of the hour. New Zealand Rugby Chief Executive Mark Robinson says they are currently in talks with its counterparts in the United Kingdom and Ireland for a potential women's British and Irish Lions tour. 
Well, the Lions are playing against the Black Ferns. Well, that's what they're talking about. The British and Irish Lionesses is what you want. Oh, the, li- oh, the Lionesses. That makes a little yeah, bit more sense. the Lionesses. Uh, Robinson admitted plenty of work laid ahead with stakeholders and partners to make the tour a reality, but is confident they'll be able to deliver on the groundbreaking concept sometime in the next few years, at least before the Lions uh, men visit to face the All Blacks in 2029. I hate being a poo-pooer, but it does seem like, ooh, we've had the start of a conversation. Let's throw this out, because we like a bit of good news. And also, We haven't had a lot of good news. Oh, well, Do I like the concept? Yeah, why not? Any chance to get the Black Ferns uh, high-caliber opposition on their own patch more often, uh, I'm all for, because that's probably what we have struggled with. Yeah, COVID's been around, the tyranny of distance. I understand all of those things, but um, uh, that's probably why um, we've been caught up and passed. Yes, the professional game in England and France certainly has helped out them. Uh, and sticking with rugby, the All Blacks 15 has uh, beaten Ireland A. Uh, 48 points to 19 in the uh, Black Caps are through to the T20 World Cup semi-final after their win over Ireland. Sorry, Irish fans. Um, good result there for uh, the New Zealanders against your beloved homeland. Is, it, is the Lioness Tour, is that a bit of a backlash from last week when the Black Ferns were playing at the same time as the All Blacks? And that was obviously not seen in a very favourable light by the public. I know that you were like, oh, oh well, the, I'm not neither here nor there. I'm probably not going to watch any of the games anyway. But no, I, think I, that, I didn't watch either of them live. Yeah, and I think a lot of the Black Ferns fans and players felt like um, it was a bit of an insult um, to I was in a working. world tournament. I was working though, Grant. Yeah, well, that, that's normal. You're you a workhorse. You skipped out on me. You're going to be and my workhorse of the week. Yeah, possibly, you possibly. How do you say this word, Grant? Barry has uh, ticked through. How do you say that word? Imagine if you roar. If the Australians were competing in the ACL, cheating would be normal. Good shout, Barry. Love, Why do you make me read those lo- ones? Lo- love the niggle. Love the niggle there, Barry. Quality niggle. Ben Francis, how do you say the third word in the top text there? Oh, for roar? That's what I thought, Ben. But I've been. it's been played in the... The break, and I refuse to say oh, it the you, way. You, you laughed at me and said, that's not how you say it. No, you were listening to the Collins Dictionary. Yes, wanted to which, make a point, because I like making points. Which sounds like you driver. <laughs> it sounds like kind of Ferrari, Adam Perori, Furori. Furori. I hate that word, because it's one of the words I really struggle to get out. What's the other word you struggle oh, with? I told you this, in confidence. <laughs> I said it's the green fruit with the stone in it. Which I you really... said is an avocado. Yes, I always call it avocado. <laughs> so I now call it the green fruit with a stone in it. Oh. Here's you mocking me. That's right, I can take it. I dish it. And now, I dish it out <laughs> enough, I should be able to take it, right? We must say, though, Daniel, we've got a lot of texts in about the moustache, and there's heaps of people that have said Mervyn Hughes, including yeah, yeah, Merv, Scott. Merv Hughes is definitely in our um, starting 11 for our all-time cricketing moustache 11. Uh, we, did, we did ask also, who is currently in the world of sport rocking the best tash? Oh, I got a in personal... In all of sport. Uh, here's a couple of nominations. One I think is very controversial... Um, Cameron Smith, the golfer, question mark. I understand why you put question mark in that one, Chris. Yeah. Because that's a... Real wispy that's one. That's a dodgy look. At you. 
you wouldn't want to buy anything off a guy with a dash like that, would you? Well, he's getting stopped. He's getting by, lots of money by the, the, the coppers. <laughs> yeah, it's it's a little bit uncomfortable. Random, random check. But Paul comes up with a great shout. Uh, Nick White from the Wallabies. Yes, that is a good that one. That is an excellent uh, modern day Tash. I, I, got, I got a personal text from Mum saying, um, Really? Blair Tickner. Yes, good shout. Which was mum. a good one, yeah. Very really good, good shout. I, I think that's better than Lockie Ferguson's. Once again, Mum contributing more than son to this program. We do love it. <laughs> Fantastic stuff. Uh, ben Francis had a good shout, although we're not sure if he's currently rocking a tash or a beard. But Stephen Adams always has a good one, doesn't he, Ben? You're, you're, you're a big fan of what um, you know. He, he can deliver on the top lip. Oh, I, I'm just a massive fan of him, full stop. I, I wish I could have a head of hair like him. Yes, I know. I owe, owe to be like Stephen Adams. Uh, so if, if there's someone in modern-day sport who has a better tash than our current champion, I think Nick White's our current champion. Yeah, he would be. Yeah, if someone who's currently... <laughs> <laughs> Brilliant text. Okay. He's, Dave, he's not currently doing anything, isn't he? Um, some other nominations. Uh, you and Chatfield for our all-time 11. Merv Hughes getting lots of love. Uh, that's unsurprising. Don't worry. Merv's in the team. Don't worry. No more texts from Merv. Merv's made the cut. Uh, Chat's getting some love there, as I mentioned. I, oh, I did, ask, I did ask for middle-order batsmen. I was struggling with middle-order Well, Ian, both of them. Well, no, 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 I want a three and a four and a five, you know, runs. I've, I've got lots of all-rounders and bowlers and keepers. Both of them could go five, couldn't yeah, you? Yeah, both. What about uh, Brian McMillan? <laughs> no. No? No. <laughs> no. Uh, someone suggests, Paul suggests uh, Javid Mendad. Yes. yes. Heavy Tash. Heavy Tash. Could play, too. I reckon that's why Merv yeah. got stuck into him a lot. Yeah, and the good thing about Java Mendad being in our team, we, we we can actually barrack for him rather than him just scoring millions of runs against New Zealand like he did. He oh, loves New Zealand bowling player. attacks. And this is a sneaky good shout from Mark. Alan Lamb. Yes. Alan Lamb uh, in the middle order for the Tash 11. Uh, good stuff. Uh, yeah, Jason, another one giving Merv Hughes love. No doubt about that. We can stop. We can stop. Um, Rugby league expert uh, Ben Francis, I'm going to have to call back to the desk here to help us out with Mike's one. Uh, the Para Eels, uh, Regan Campbell-Gillard. It's a bit, uh, I'd say, Lockie Ferguson-esque. Okay, so Nick White or Regan Campbell-Gillard? Do we have to give one to an Aussie? Like, can we just what, find, well, can, can, we, for... can we do anything under the sun to ensure an Aussie doesn't win? Yeah, well, that's why we're asking uh, the SCNZ audience to come in and, and tell us who's got the best sport tash in all of sport currently. Current, because currently we've got a Wallaby uh, winning it. Leah Tickner? Leah Tickner's <laughs> is real it's, dirty. It's, it's a dirty mo. It's so creepy, isn't it? <laughs> Sorry for showing you that on Google. Oh, bless. I, th- um, I need to gather my thoughts. Uh, eight minutes after 11. Keep your uh, thoughts coming in uh, via the uh, text line. Uh, on double eight double three, our number is zero eight hundred one five zero eight eleven. After twelve o'clock, we'll get to our uh, Midas Tires Workhorse of the Week, our Midas Agritires Workhorse of the Week, as we uh, discover or, or reveal to you who Grant and I think has uh, done the hard yards in sport. We'll have both our proper nominations and our non-nominations, which is basically just a middle finger for someone for being rubbish during the week over something. Uh, unlike uh, Midas Agritires, uh, the choice of leading manufacturers, Midas Agritires, European quality made affordable. Uh, if you've got a nomination for your um, workhorse of the week, we love hearing those uh, too. 
a little bit later, we'll pick Grant's uh, brain about um, the semi-finals um, and how Group Two might shake down. Um, do you have a preference? It's likely India, South Africa. Does it really matter to this New Zealand side? I like the idea of India because I think we're their bogey team. I don't think India want to face us. So get India in the semi. India in the semi, yeah. And South Africa will be overawed by a final. Yeah, I wouldn't. It'll be too big for South Africa, I think, because it means too much for them. Whereas I think, I think when the Black Caps get to a final now, I think that we've been, and I don't want this to sound like you know we are you know, a, a powerhouse in world cricket. But they've been there, done that a lot over the last... That's what I mean, six is that we've years. been there. There's players that have played in a final, so they're not going to be overawed by the moment. So I think if we can get to the final, if we can get over the semi-final, I think that we've got a very good chance of winning the final because I think that it'll be a team that'll be driven, motivated, and quite calm yeah. going into finals. Right. It, it does seem highly unlikely, though, uh, that I think India have got Zimbabwe, haven't they? Oh, that, India yeah. plays Zimbabwe, so it looks like India's going to finish top. Uh, we will take a short break. It is 10 minutes after 11 o'clock. Uh, as we go to a break, here's some other historical moustaches the audience uh, absolutely love. Clive Lloyd, gents, got oh, to captain the, the 11. Very good shout. This is becoming quite a challenge now. We, we've got more than 11. This is going to be a very rigorous sort of selection debate and ad breaks. Nigel Mansell, well, he was fantastic Formula One driver. Excellent. I'm not sure if he can score runs in our cricketing 11. He could um, drive the bus, though. He could drive, yes. Our bus team bus driver. driver, Nigel Mansell, loving it. Alan Border getting some love. Dickie Bird for umpire. Yes. Yeah. Brilliant. We've got a whole team. We've got a whole team. Fantastic stuff. Oh, I love getting silly. Steve Rickson, coach. Ooh, he had a good, he had a good tash. It's very good. It, look, the tashes are now just rolling off the tongue. But we need to find the current champion, the champion of 2022. Which who's got, is currently who's got Nick the, White. Nick White's currently winning it, I think. I think so. And, and I'm not happy with this. Come on, listeners, help us out. Double eight, double three. get your nominations. Who's got the best Tash in sport currently? Uh, we will take a short break. Then, after it, in association with Somerset, think legendary here, think Somerset Retirement Villages, one of our very favourite segments. It is time for the Saturday Session Legends. And we've got a, a true legend of uh, women's rugby, of rugby overall, a Hall of Famer in Anna Richards is up next. It is bang on, quarter past 11. Great to have your company on this uh, Saturday morning. The sun is shining in the Riviera of the South Pacific Grant. It's a glorious day. The Black Caps are through to the semi-finals of the T20 World Cup. We're eagerly anticipating if the Black Ferns can go one step further and into a final when they take on France. England up against Canada in the uh, second of the semi-finals. We've got uh, Rugby League uh, World Cup uh, quarter-finals as well. Our sporting cup hath run over. And right now, we're going to uh, welcome in an absolute legend of New Zealand sport, of New Zealand rugby, of world rugby, all part of our Saturday session legend segment in association with Somerset. Think legendary care, think Somerset retirement villages. And I'm going to steal the words and beautifully written words. Adam Julian does a wonderful job for New Zealand rugby. Uh, profiling uh, some of our finest uh, players have represented New Zealand. Um, and our guest today is one of the most successful and durable athletes New Zealand has ever produced, as well as becoming a provincial representative in tennis and netball and a national representative in touch rugby and rugby seven. She is best known for her incredible feats for the National 15-a-side team. The 2014 World Rugby Hall of Fame inductee enjoyed two decades in the Black Ferns, missing just four possible tests between 1991 and 2010. 
in December 2021. She became the first woman to be awarded the Steinlager Salva for Outstanding Service to New Zealand Rugby. And we are utterly thrilled and privileged to welcome into the programme Anna Richards. Anna, thanks so much for dropping by. Uh, I know it's a really busy time for you. So much going on with the World Cup on. Thanks for giving up some of that. Thanks, Anna. No worries. Uh, Happy to be here um, uh, and chat to you guys. Anna, um, reading that little intro from Adam Julian, and it goes on, and it's a wonderful piece. Uh, just go to allblacks.com. You, you can find it there if you actually want to read it in its entirety um, to, the, to the listeners. Uh, it, it sounds like you were born with sporting apparel in every hand, foot, the head possible. It was fair to say it was a, a rich sporting childhood for you? Yeah, I was lucky enough. My parents really supported us as um, uh, kids, and we were, we were told... Pick a sport and we'll support whatever you want to do. So my sister was a great uh, athlete and I didn't want to do what she did. So I went and played tennis. And yeah, so just went from there. Played a bit of netball, obviously, at school and then got into rugby at university. Really? It wasn't a university? So 18 18 years of age is the first time you sort of kick a ball in anger? No, no, no. But about 20, 21 because I went up to uh, Canterbury University. I, I worked for a year at uh, like a zoo, and then I went up there and um, played netball uh, for Canterbury. And uh, so I really didn't pick the ball up till I was about 22. Anna, what was it that growing up? I mean, I don't know. For me personally, I had something that just wanted me to be a better cricketer every day. I used to wake up and that's all I could think about. Obviously, you didn't think about rugby at that stage, but did you have, you know, a fire in the belly and something that just motivated you to be amazing at sport? Well, I just enjoyed it. And I think when you find something you enjoy and you're reasonably good at, it's it's easy to uh, work hard at it. Um, it's when you get into something that's not quite so enjoyable, <laughs> it's hard to work hard. But yeah, I was lucky enough that I was pretty good at sports so um that was fun so was that the reason behind sort of the transition to to rugby was it a a case of you fell out of love with tennis or netball or more a pure infatuation for rugby itself when you got to uni uh no like i was playing a lot of netball when i went to uni and it was uh i got dropped from the canterbury netball team and it's an it's an old story but i i got dropped Mm. um and my Canterbury netball coach's husband was Laurie O'Reilly, who was also my law lecturer at the time, and he asked me to come down to watch rugby, which for him was a euphemism for I'm going to throw you on the field. And yeah, so it was probably, it was probably the first time I'd ever had Sundays free, and so I, I went down to watch the game, and he threw me on. Only, only game I ever played without a mouth guard, never did that again. <laughs> <laughs> so this... Laurie's a hugely influential figure in your life then as a result. Yeah, no, Laurie was great. And, and the best thing was, like, I came along and, and I found that I was actually really quite good at, at rugby. Like, I think everybody, if you search long enough, you're going to find something you're unbelievably good at. And you just got to keep searching for it. And lucky enough, you know, Laurie introduced me to rugby and I found out I was pretty good at it. And, and I love playing it. I love the people who, who played it and were involved in rugby and... Yeah, I was. I think I was very lucky. I found it when I did. So Anna, you'd be a huge advocate then, which um, is, is going around in sport at the moment. Is play lots of different sports until you find that one sport that you actually fall in love with. But at what age do you think that should be? Um, 
where the, the kids do flick that switch and almost not become professional, but specialise, I guess. I mean, I'm a great advocate of, of kids playing as much as they can in their school years, play lots of different sports, because they, you know, the skills transfer between the sports as well. Um, and just play as much as you want, and then and as many as you can. And then, like, when you get out of school, that's a great time to make a good decision on what you want to do going forward. How quickly from the first game of rugby to rep stuff? It's almost immediate, is it, Anna? I'm just trying to do the maths in my mind. Oh, for me? Uh, yeah. I made yes. the Canterbury, Netball team, uh, Canterbury Rugby team the year that I started playing. So what, you, your fifth or sixth game of rugby is a rep game. And then beyond that, how quickly you're into the New Zealand system? Uh, there wasn't a New Zealand team until 89. So there's no New Zealand team. It's only provincial. And then in 89, I was up. I just left Canterbury University. And I was up doing law professionals up in Auckland, and I wasn't playing rugby. Um, uh, so I kind of missed out on that first. Uh, team in 89 but then um, I went into the team in 1990 when they picked it. What what was it Anna that you'd absolutely loved about the game? Was it the the team camaraderie? Was it the personal um, competitive nature that you had to try and get better and better? What what kept you driven over the the 20 years? Uh, Yeah the game of rugby for me is a bit like a chess game and I really, I really like the uh, the cerebral part of it. I like the running, you know, the running, the contact. Um, I always tell the girls, and your brain, it's up here for thinking. Yeah, point at your feet, down there for dancing, girls. Um, but and I think I always, yeah, I always did want to become better. So I'd pick a, a skill every season that I'd really concentrate on. You know, especially at the start, it was you know pass left and right. Then it was kicking, and you know, so you, you can never, you can never stop not getting better, because once you do that, you might as well quit. Well, was there ever any niggle between the back line and the forwards? God, no, I love my forwards. <laughs> <laughs> Spoken Mate, they, like they a true team. The they got me the ball, <laughs> so I, I got a big ups to them, man. Got to love them and support them. <laughs> but also tell them when they might be a little bit off the mark, he says, as diplomatically as possible. Let's be frank, all good tens, nines, tens. I know you played a bit of nine, ten. You're all loudmouths at the end of the day, aren't you, Anna? Uh, yeah, we all think we know what we're talking about, to be honest. And then we just bluff it most of the time. But no, <laughs> I, I, I started as a nine and then I, I shifted to ten. And I really like ten because you were kind of controlling things on the field. And I, I kind of like that, so um, I, I just enjoyed enjoyed playing, and that, that's kind of why I played for far too long, was just because it was so much fun. I try and tell people yeah. I, I hung around for 20 years in the Black Friends because I was waiting for them to pay me, but, you know, it's not true. It's because <laughs> I had fun. Well, well, New Zealand rugby only officially brought in women's rugby under its umbrella, what, 1993, according uh, to the profile written by Adam Julian. Uh, the first test, official test, is in 1994. This is... You know, you know, some six years after you'd left uh, uh, Canterbury, um, but boy, you, you went on and you had so many highs, so many moments. You probably cherish representing New Zealand, playing for our Black Ferns. 
I'm sure it's hard to separate what all the multiple world championships, but are there are there some that that sort of stick larger in your mind than others that you cherish a little bit more? Uh, I suppose '98, the first World Cup we won, was also a World Cup I played with my sister. She was in the team, so that was kind of special. Um, uh, playing up for the New Zealand Sevens team up in um, Hong Kong. Playing on that Hong Kong uh, sevens field was amazing, um, and I suppose the one uh, the one World Cup that I really let myself um, have fun in because I knew it was my last was the two team World Cup. So I think sometimes I was really too focused on the outcome previous to that, and I didn't enjoy, you know didn't stop and smell the daisies, as they say, stop and smell the roses. So that and. Um, I had, had an awful lot of fun playing for Auckland through the years, loved playing for them. Uh, and obviously I started I started College Rifles with Chucky Lemon and they're a special club, special group of people. Gee, you must have made so many friends along the way. I, I'm thinking and reading about this 1998 uh, World Championship side, it, it seemed like the whole backline, bar one, you all played touch for New Zealand as well. You literally couldn't get away from each other. Yeah, there was. I think it was only um, Annalia Rush who wasn't in the New Zealand touch team. Yeah, it's great, great backline. So good bunch of girls. Still friends with all of them. It's actually funny this this World Cup at the moment. It's just like a big reunion. So I was chatting to a few, um, a few American girls last night who I played against in the '91 World Cup. It's crazy. I haven't seen them since then. <laughs> Seeing a lot of um, English girls I played against through the years and. It's just been amazing, this World Cup. Well, Anna, I, I'm looking at tours, and one of the things I used to do with my itinerary was look at you know windows of where we were going to be. Queenstown was generally a favourite in the domestic circuit. But I'm looking at, you talk, speak about the, the team in 98. Well, it looks like you spent two weeks in Amsterdam. From the 2nd of May to the 16th of May, you played Germany. Um, in Scotland, Amsterdam. Spain, England and the USA. Yeah, you started off with a hiss and a roar, 134-6, but the, the points generally went down from there. Did you have <laughs> you have a great tour in Amsterdam? <laughs> Had a wonderful tour in Amsterdam. The, the only problem was that the NZA, you knew how bad Amsterdam could have been, so they stuck us about an hour and a half outside of Amsterdam at this little way station <laughs> the hotel. And gave us no transport, so they were very smart in their planning. But but it was also quick turnarounds. So you you played on the 2nd of May, three days, and then it was a four-day, another three-day, and then another four-day turnaround. I mean, that must have been tough. Yeah, so all the World Cups, the the 91 World Cup had even tougher. It was like every second, every second or third day. Um, But every World Cup up to this World Cup, was always a four-day turnaround. This World Cup's the first time they've had a seven-day turnaround. Mm. So treating them finally with respect, uh, we would argue, yeah. uh, Anna. D- did you feel, and, think... and it's, you know, you, you were there, like, did you feel fully embraced by New Zealand rugby throughout, or was it more towards the latter end or, or never at all? You know, I'd love to get your thoughts on that. Um, I think no, I, w- I never felt fully embraced by NZRU. Um, at times they were better and other times they were worse than their support. Mm. How would you judge it now? I still think they've got quite a way to go. 
I, I think they've made steps, but there's probably miles on their journey to go. Do you think that is fair, or am I being a little bit unfair? No, I think it's totally fair. You know, sometimes I think some of it's a bit of lip service, and you've got to, you know, I'd like to see more of the board actually coming to the World Cup. You don't you haven't seen many of them at the World Cup events this time round. So, I mean, they're putting more and more money in, which is great. They're supporting the girls. Um, great to see the, the test schedule for the Black Ferns getting better and better. But, you know, things can, things can always be better. How did, you, how did you cope with being the best possible athlete you wanted to be? We all know how you know, maniacal and the desire top athletes t- uh, tend to be in that space to having a life and a successful professional life to boot? Um, well, I only lasted being a lawyer for five years and they didn't really like my rugby. So I ended up uh, quitting law and I was lucky enough to go and work for Duffy Books and Homes for 13 years. And they allowed me to work part-time and train and do really well in my sport. So I was super, super lucky for the support I got from uh, Duffy Books. Anna, uh, one of the but things yeah. uh, in your... Oh, sorry, carry on, Anna. Bit of I a just delay. say, let, let's, let's, uh, let's be frank, I didn't make any money when I was playing. And working part-time didn't make me a, a, a millionaire. So at the moment, I own a bike and a very old bed. That's about it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But yeah, and I wanted to get to the point because... You're probably battling with that every month, paycheck to paycheck, you know, weighing up. I absolutely love the sport. I love the opportunities it's giving me, but I'm not getting back. Life's expensive. Was that was that a constant weight on your shoulders? No. Nah. Like, I just enjoyed it. I was, I was able, you know, I was really well supported by college rifles. Um, uh, I lived in their houses for a while, uh, for a number of years, at a reduced rent um so they supported me there like it was just i just enjoyed it i I never was really hung up about the money side of things at all as long as i had enough money to eat and live that was fine i absolutely love this attitude anna richards is our legend Uh, she's with us here uh international rugby hall of famer i'd love to get to that honor in just a moment but anna i I often like asking um our, our guests in the segment if you were to scout yourself as a player how would you describe yourself? If you were watching tape of you in your, in your pomp, what do you think your relative strengths and weaknesses were? <laughs> so when I, when I started, <laughs> I would have said I was a triple threat. I could run past <laughs> Um But then I think I added to that I was a great tactician and a great manipulator on the field, and I really understood the game. So by, by that stage, I wasn't the greatest runner, but... I thought, you know, I had a great rugby brain and, and an appreciation for what happened on the pitch. Is there a player going around now who reminds you of you? Oh, I don't know. I think she's way better than me, but uh, Lou DeMont is, yeah. is a great player. You know, uh, wonderful, triple threat. Um, just, she's, I think she's been one of the players of this World Cup. She's really impressed me, Lou. And a really nice girl, works really hard, bright. You know, she's got everything. Well, Anna, you talk about triple threat, but I actually reckon you were quadruple threat because you captained one game, underrated as a captain, 
on the 26th of October 2005 versus England at Hamilton. Played one as yeah, captain, won one as captain, 24-15. Yeah, unbeaten. underrated. Un- unbeaten captain, you know, 100% winning record. Well, I, yeah, like I was uh, a vice captain for a while, but to be honest, I like not being captain. You know, I like being in control on the pitch, and yeah. I like having all that responsibility off the pitch. So I like the best of both worlds. <laughs> Why do you think that was? Why did you not want to take that leadership uh, armband um, off the captain and, and lead both on and, and off the field? Well, look, I was part of the leadership group. I didn't really um, want the mental as captain off the pitch. Well, mm. not that I didn't. Like, if they'd offered it to me, I would have done it. But it wasn't something I got hung up about. And, look, I was lucky enough to pay under the likes of Farah Palmer. Um, yeah. Fraggle was an awesome uh, captain. So, you know, I, I was lucky that I had the, the people who were captain. I'm very happy for them to be the captain. I need a couple more you know, for me and we'll let you go. Yeah. yeah. I, I know, we won't keep you too much longer because it's a big day. Um, Hall of Famer. What what does it mean to be known as a Hall of Famer? Yeah, so I kind of got this email they were telling me that I was going to be inductive. And it's it's massive. Um, now that I understand it and, and understand the... Uh, the it's, I suppose it's prestige, but it's more the recognition. And, you know, they look at a whole body of, of work and um, just privileged. And I think it's also a reflection of the teams I was lucky enough to play in. I think that, um, I, you know, I was in a able to play in a purple period of um, uh, the black fans and, and I think that's probably helped me a lot, you know, getting into the Hall of Fame. And there's an official ceremony, is it, currently going on during this tournament? Yes, it's happening today. So um, I'm uh, currently on the um, Hall of Fame induction panel. So um, we're inducting six athletes today, some wonderful, six wonderful um, uh, women who have done some marvellous things in rugby and, and it's going to be um, really awesome to see them recognised for what they've done and what they've achieved. Oh that's so cool, being inducted yourself in 2014, now inducting the new class in 2022 and I've got to ask you, we'll get you out on this one, how do you see the respective semi-finals going? Um, with all due respect to Canada and I've got family in Canada, I love Canada, I, I don't give them much chance of any against England, they're just such a good professional outfit, but New Zealand v France, what's your gut telling you about that game? I think it's going to be a wonderful game. Um, I think it's going to be close. I think if we can get some parity at set piece, um, we'll, you know, and we can get some ball to our back line. I think we've got the back line of the tournament. Uh, just we just got to get a little bit of parity up front. Um, but I, I think uh, France has been flying under the radar a little bit. They've just been getting the job done. And they're a great side too, and they'll be very happy that they've got Romain Menager back. So I think it's going to be such a good game today. I'm super excited. And yeah, That's I agree right. with you. I think um, England will just have too much firepower in their forward pack. Their forward pack's amazing. And they're so well drilled and they do everything so well. And I just can't see Canada um, staying with England up front. And a, a last last question from me before we let you go. Um, you're a real advocate and ambassador for the game, but what advice do you have for parents and those 
young girls and boys that are preparing to play, um, you know, a sport that they love. Yeah. Like all I'd say is enjoy it and keep enjoying it. Work hard because talent only gets you so far. And, you know, you find the girls who, you know, they talk about cream rising to the top. It's usually the people who work the hardest and they have the talent. So go out there, but just keep on enjoying it because it's hard to work hard when you're not enjoying it. Anna, thank you for being so generous with your time on, on such a busy day for you and uh, for World Rugby, the Women's Rugby World Cup. We really do appreciate it. Congrats on a brilliant career, and thanks for sharing some of those stories with us. We do appreciate your time. Thanks a lot, Anna. No worries. Okay, thanks, guys. Anna Richards joining us there, one of the very best to ever play for New Zealand. Black Fern for, oh, just 20-odd years, Grant, just 20-odd years, you know, because, you know, play international sport for 20 years an international rugby hall of famer inducted in 2014 and we'll be inducting the new class today in 2022 how cool is that uh, all part of our saturday sessions uh, legend segment in association with somerset think new friends new laughs and a new home think somerset retirement villages somerset.co.nz i just love that story of the transition into rugby you know great tennis player coming up through the ranks rep netballer come down watch rugby four or five games later do you know like provincial stuff and likely going to be an international everyone could see from day dot. Yeah, but I think we're in a real luxury position here where we're, we're interviewing all of these legends and I think there's a lot of commonalities between them. Isn't there? You know, just like the passion for the sport, the love of sport, not just the sport they played, but just love of sports in general and working hard at it. I mean, there's no silver bullet. But also... That is a, com- that is a message we hear every single week. Every single weekend, but... I think for those parents that are listening, if you push your child into a sport that they're not really passionate about, I don't know if they can be a world beater. I mean, I've read the Andre Agassi book, so there's an anomaly. He hated tennis. Well, there's outliers. Yeah, there are outliers, but it's about fun. It's about enjoying the sport. And once you find that sport that you enjoy, the message from Anna was is that then you're prepared to work harder at it. And that makes the failures and the, the downtimes of every sport, because it is tough, it makes it easier to work harder for it because you're just passionate about it and love it. So parents, like, I just beg you, just maybe stay out of it for a little while. Support them and help them enjoy their sport. Don't push them to get better at their sport. Yeah, and we only really scratch the surface with Anna. It's such a layered story. Uh, incredible achievements over two decades. Highly recommend if you, if you want a little bit more uh, information, read Adam Julian's piece uh, at allblacks.com. Uh, uh, dot com very very well written he's done a brilliant job uh, uh, profiling all our uh, women rugby players have represented New Zealand we will take a short break it is uh, 20 minutes away from 12 picture this you're at the Basin Reserve the sun's out and you're on the grass embankment listening to SENZ on 7.11am 16 minutes away from 12 o'clock wonderful advice here from Margaret who's a friend of the show she now is now I'm going to turn your mic and I do want you to read this one as well it is, it is directed towards me. Well played, Margaret. Hi, Daniel. It sounds like you're muddling avocado with the word advocate. I've found that knowing why I'm stumbling over a word and what I'm muddling it with helps remove the mental block. Well, it sounds like it just did remove the mental block because you didn't say avocado. Well, it's written down. Oh, so when you read it, it's fine, eh? But when you help. say it, it tends to help when you can see the letters and what order they go in. Otherwise, you always say avocado. Yeah, but if I'm just in a chat, it's avocado. So do you make sure that you don't 
actually order avocado on sourdough when you go to a restaurant. Yeah, I'll have that one, thanks. <laughs> that one. That one. The fruit with this, the... This one on the menu, please. That one. The avocado, sir. Yes. Uh, thank you very much, Margaret. I'll, I'll take that um, on board. Very nice uh, tip. Um, this is getting lots of nominations, and it's a very good one. Uh, we're, we're dropping Dickie Bird as our umpire in our um, all-time moustache 11 game, coached by Steve Rickson. Mm-hmm. And we've got a new umpire. Well, we need two umpires, don't we? You do. Dickie Bird's in. Yeah. Really? Mm. Definitely, um, and according to the SCNZ audience, uh, Peter Plumlee Walker. You know who Peter Plumlee Walker is, Grant? Well, you know I do because I Googled it and it was, um, yeah, yeah, controversial. I don't know how much cricket he... That moustache was... Great moustache. That moustache. Fantastic moustache. Spectacular. Yeah, it was. It was one of the best. I think I think um, WG Grace would have to be in there, but he had a... His beard. He had a beard and a mow, though. Yeah, but it's a beard. Yeah, true. When your mow goes into your beard, it's a beard. It's not yeah. a mow and a beard. It's a beard. Well, he had the wispy, you know, the curls yeah. around it. Ravi Jadeja. Yeah, beautiful. Yeah, Ravi Jadeja's. He's getting close to being dropped, though. There's some, some good nominations coming through. Um, we also want to know who's currently uh, the moustache king in all of sport. So the current athletes. Uh, we've gone for the historical cricketing 11. Grant Elliott's still really struggling uh, to cement his, his starting 11. But we're getting some love, including from our dear friend Staffy. How are you, mate? Can't do a nukuafi. Yes, excellent. And another one, sort of the Stephen Adams elk who, rock, who rocks between a moustache and a beard. But when he's got uh, just the big mo, when he debuted for the All Blacks, I'm pretty sure he was rocking a mo. Um, absolutely outstanding. That is a very, very good shout. Uh, keep your uh, messages, uh, nominations coming through to double eight, double uh, three. We do uh, appreciate them. Um, we do appreciate also Anna Richards uh, for joining us for our Legends chat. If you missed that chat, uh, remember to always check out our social media accounts. Um, we will uh, post the full interview uh, for you and uh, also post a full podcast of the show as well. Well, Ben does. Because Grant and I are useless. It's 12 away from 12 back after this. We are now at uh, 8 minutes away from 12 o'clock. All right, Grant, you can go first this week. It is time for your nominations for our Midas Agra Tires Workhorse of the Week. Who's putting in the hard yards, working the land and sport to impress you mightily over the week? This is a really easy one for me because it happened just last night. In fact, the replay is currently going on our big screen here in our uh, little wardrobe in Wellington. Um, Ireland beat England in the opening game of the T20 World Cup. And that was a real upset. The first upset of the competition. Australians might beg to differ when New Zealand beat them in the opening game. Um, But Ireland have created history, or one person has. Josh Little, yesterday, ran in towards the end of the the innings, bounced Kane Williamson. Williamson got caught at square leg. He was on 61. He was batting really well, so got one of the world's best players out. Very next delivery, Jimmy Neesham walked in. He reviewed an LBW, was pitching middle, hitting middle. And Josh Little was on a hat-trick. A little nation of, well, you would say not a real cricketing pedigree island. And he was on a hat-trick. The next delivery, Mitchell Satner walked in. Very same delivery that he bowled to uh, Jimmy Neesham. And he got the hat-trick. So 
an amazing feat for someone from from Ireland, but also against one of the big nations. He also bowled really, really well throughout. He he was excellent. Wasn't Bo- he? Bowled well in the power play, but uh, I just think about an athlete like that waking up in the morning now and kind of like pinching himself. You know, you're at the world tournament and to do something like that because you can get hat tricks that are you know caught long on and caught in the deep with players just actually smashing you, but this was three genuine kind of wickets. Maybe not Kane Williamson's. It was all right. It was. A, it was a death. It was wicket. a plan. It was a death wicket. Yeah, but the other two were like on the one Santner got hit the same rag back a long way. It's a beauty yeah, of the ball. It was almost it? reverse swing. And I don't know if we have the commentary of that moment, but I'd love to hear yours truly next to me, Daniel McCarty, just going off his rocker. Where just before the ball, he said, "Grant, you know it's a hat trick." And I was like, "Oh, I forgot about oh, that." Goldfish after yeah. Grant. Uh, I'm not sure if Ben has it available to him or if he's actually listening or paying attention. No, we don't have time to play it. Oh, that's a shame. Yeah. Well, if you haven't if you haven't heard it, you should uh, log on to Twitter. Um, it shows Daniel McCarty. And yeah, that, that shows you all three balls. We were just wanting the hat-trick ball. But. Yeah, and you were in full, full, full flow, noise. Full, full noise at that stage. Okay, so let's, um, I guess I've got to read the credit then. Uh, that's Grant's nomination for the Workhorse of the Week. Josh Little, fantastic stuff. Well done, him. Midas Agritires, made in Europe, trusted by leading equipment manufacturers worldwide. European quality doesn't have to break the bank. Ask for Midas Agritires for your equipment. Uh, I'll get my nomination out at uh, some stage in the next hour if you've got one. Um, double eight, double three. Send your text messages through. We'll hit the uh, last hour of the show shortly, starting off by uh, heading to some live sport. Yes, we've got our first race due to jump, I think, just on 12 o'clock. We'll hit to Riggedon for that. We've got some rugby league coming your way as well. Blake Ashford talks rugby league uh, World Cup uh, quarterfinals as well. We'll also catch up with a good oil team. Um, This is the Saturday session. Uh, Back after this break, it's almost four minutes away from 12. So power line number 10, edging our Justin lads and ears back number 16. Great Uh, name, ears back. Yeah, good good name, solid name. Is that a hint that that was the one you had uh, no, love no. for? No, I actually had Arctic Blast, number four, and it came out of the gates like the uh, um, Inter-Islander <laughs> trying to get into the harbour in Wellington on a, a day where there's a strong southerly. Struggled. In fact, I think the owners, there'll be a couple of inquiries there with the jockey uh, post-race, how Arctic Blast went. Um, yeah, not hey, a good race. Thanks, expert. <laughs> the experts are on after 1 o'clock. We'll catch up with uh, the Good Oil team. But uh, at the top of the hour, four minutes after 12 o'clock, let's update you with the very latest in our sports headlines. The Black Caps are through to the semi-finals and the first team to secure uh, their semi-final spot at Cricket's T20 World Cup in Australia. Half-century to Kane Williamson. It's been bowling assault. Fired New Zealand to a 35-run victory over Ireland at Adelaide. Overall, the Black Caps' place in the final four was then sealed when Australia were only able to beat uh, Afghanistan by four runs in uh, last night's other match at the same venue, although that was very close to being an incredible comeback. And uh, victory one, Rashid Khan went absolutely mental with the bat. Lazarus, we call him. <laughs> Considering he looked dead and buried, hobbling off the field against Sri Lanka in the last game to actually take the field where he plays his uh, big bash cricket, of course. Uh, Much-loved figure in Adelaide, for sure. But it was with the bat he uh, nearly pulled off a heroic victory for Afghanistan. Uh, the All Black Sevens World Series campaign is uh, teetering after a shock 24 points to nil loss to Samara 
in their first pool match at the season opening Hong Kong tournament, drawn uh, in the group that also includes the home team Australia. The New Zealand men must now beat both to escape early elimination from an event they have won 11 times. And Australia are safely through to the semi-finals of the Rugby League World Cup after trouncing Michael Checker's Lebanon side by 48 points to four with uh, Josh Adokar scoring how many tries in a 48 points to four victory, Grant? Oh, maybe five. Five tries. Is that how many he got? He got five tries. I just read that. Yeah, I know you did. <laughs> I know you did. But it's Lebanon. It's Let's talk about Lebanon. What about Lebanon? Well, I mean... I didn't even know that they played rugby league. Well, you do now. They're actually quite good at it. They got through to the quarterfinals. But, I mean, yeah, why are they not playing cricket? Normally, rugby and cricket kind of go hand in hand. Argentina. Well, we're talking about rugby league for a start. Yeah. Yeah. Well, rugby league as well. Does everything have to be about cricket? Yes, it does. In my world, it does. Well, I just find it strange to hear, you know, it's not really a common sort of, I guess, rugby union uh, sport, you know, I've never heard Lebanon in rugby union. Do they play rugby union? I'm asking you. You're the expert in union. And well, they'll have a yeah. world ranking probably in rugby. I, I must admit, I the history of Lebanese rugby. Um, I can't say I have anything to add on the subject. I do a lot of searching when I'm in the seat. <laughs> you go down some rabbit hole. Let's get to a couple of text messages before we get to a break. But Blake Ashford will add some knowledge. He'll drop the knowledge on us ignorant fools as far as the Rugby League World Cup on the other side of the break. Uh, we've been talking about Tashes. It is Movember after all. Tashes in sport. We want to know the current champion of modern day sport. Who has the best ta- Tash in current sport? Nick White was our um, leader. I think we've eliminated him and we're going a bit of bias. Go to Nukuafe who's taking his splendid facial hair off to France, I think it is, um, this year. Wish him all the best over there. Uh, this is a couple of historical um, nominations. Uh, Athen Christchurch writes, how about Dale Earnhardt's Mo? Um, it was pretty legendary and not to mention the King, Richard Petty. He had two NASCAR drivers of um, you know, the highest quality, almost as good as their moustaches. They are splendid. Thank you, Margaret. Margaret's come back with more advice. Uh, don't forget about the need to practice, comma, Daniel. Wonderful sentence structure. Mm. Lovely. That's always the message on sports programs. Oh, thank you. And she also mentions good luck. Glad you're listening. Thank you, Margaret. Do appreciate it. Thanks, Margaret. Um, and lastly, um, <clears throat> this one clearly is... Oh, no, what have I done? Uh, myth or facts, Grant Elliott. Does having sex before a game of cricket affect your athletic performance? If yes, how so? If no, what is a cricket player's release or pre-warm-up? No pun intended. Um, I don't know, but there was unknown... Texter, I guess there was a um, a culture coach, Paddy Upton, who was a psychologist, and he said to the Indian team that he did not want their partners on tour for that very reason, because he wanted them to stay, I don't know, fired up. Would they be lethargic? Yeah. Well, I've I have heard, and I will go back to Google, but I've heard that um, sex can improve women's performance prior to sport, but decrease men's performance. I remember reading that during Wimbledon. Yeah, so there you go. That's the... You do do a lot of searching. The knowledge what fountain. Else well, it was just a what headline. Else it was a headline. Oh, it was just a headline. So, unknown texter. 
be nice to know yeah, name your, and where you're from. Drop your name. It looks like an Australian number to me, so it's probably an Australian stitcher. Great work. Good text. Like it. Back after the break. It's nine minutes after 12 o'clock. We'll talk Rugby League World Cup and the three remaining quarterfinals. Almost 14 minutes after 12 o'clock. This is the Saturday session. We'll catch up with the Good Oil crew a little bit later. We'll also head back to Rickerton uh, for the latest uh, race at Rickerton Park. Right now, we talk the Rugby League World Cup quarterfinals. Uh, one is in the book, Australia, as expected. 48 for the loss of four. That's a bit mean. It's not really a cricket score. <laughs> not even really a drink score. 48 points to four over Lebanon. Uh, England take on Papua New Guinea. New Zealand take on Fiji. They are tomorrow morning at 3.30 our time and 8.30 respectively. And then Tonga Samoa in the matchup of the round, in my opinion, and many people's opinion, that's at 3.30 on Monday morning. We are delighted to welcome into the program, man, with nigh on, what, 200 uh, NRL appearances. Blake Ashford joins the program. Thanks so much for dropping by, uh, Blake. How are you doing today? Good day, Blake. How are we, lads? I'm good. Obviously, you know, a proud Australian living in New Zealand now, so I wear both caps, and one of them got through straight away to the semis <laughs> today. So happy Saturday so far. Well, Josh Adokar had... Quite a day out. Five try. What a hungus. Oh, mate. What a hungus, all right. Oh, geez. He did, he did it in good fashion, too, though, some of those tries. Just the pace, his ability. Look, he started the, the day as second-leading try scorer, and I think he took a lead of three going into the semi. So uh, he definitely showed Brad Fitley should have been picked for the origin, and yeah, he's, he's going to do well against the Kiwis next week if that's the matchup we're going to see. Gee, he's quick, though. He's electric. He's dynamic. He's just fun to watch, isn't he, Blake? Yeah, he is. Um, not fun to play against when you've got to try and chase him around the park. And um, They nicknamed the Fox for a reason. But, um, look, he is good to, to watch, especially when you've got Latrell Mitchell inside him. I mean, a powerhouse like that, it just makes the game so much easier for Josh Adokar as well. So, uh, it was a good win. I know I heard you boys say it wasn't a big score, um, but, you know, the team changed a little bit. Teddy had a rest. We got the 30-0 lead at the start, so uh, it was convincing enough against a good Lebanon outfit. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I, I, I said it wasn't a cricket score. I was being a bit mean to Lebanon, actually, more than anything. <laughs> right. Uh, Blake, how's this competition actually unfolded? Has it, do you think it's been marketed well? It's had a good following? Um, I was quite surprised. I'd never heard that uh, Lebanon, uh, you know, we're a powerhouse in uh, rugby league. Uh, but how has it been uh, followed and documented so far? Uh, good. It's, it's getting um, bigger and bigger. You know, obviously the ultimate goal is to be like a rugby union World Cup, as in there's, what, 10 teams that you could, or maybe eight teams you could say that has a chance of winning the Rugby Union World Cup, at the moment we don't have that rugby league, but it's slowly starting to grow. And you just said Lebanon, I think uh, last uh, the last time we had a World Cup, they showed a bit of, you know, a bit of brilliance then and won a game and were very uh, tough in their defeats. And it looks like they've grown again and there's more players they have now that have gone on to play NRL. Um, we mentioned Samoa and Tonga's coming up. Um, England's good. Papua New Guinea. Uh, once again have been good as that's their national sport so it's slowly getting there and we see teams like Jamaica and things um, you know come and compete and ma- make up the numbers uh, I shouldn't say that sorry make, but get there and uh, compete but it's getting better and better and the only problem I think uh, Rugby League World Cup is mixed up is putting Tonga and Samoa at 3.30 on a Monday 
Uh, that's the game we all want to mm. see, and I don't know how many people are waking up at 3.30 on a Monday. Well, Blake, I guess you, you're bang on about all of those, I guess, the, the minor countries. Um, and, and in cricket, it's the associate countries. They need to raise their level to actually raise the level of the sport because we're seeing in the World Cup T20 the likes of Ireland beating England. Um, so it, it is really important that those minor countries or the ones, the up-and-comers, you'd say, um, go from strength to strength and get experience in these competitions, isn't it? Yeah, it is. I mean, even last night's game, I think Australia needed to put a, well, mentioned cricket score before, they need to get at least get to 200 and make or have some doubt in, um, you know, the proceedings going through to the semifinals. Afghanistan almost ended up beating them in the end. So yeah. they're just starting all the other sports, you know. So um, Rugby League World Cup and the international games getting there slowly. Um, the more diversity we see in the NRL and definitely Super League, um, it's just going to get better and better. And look, I think this one's probably the closest and the best one we've had in recent years. Um, and there's probably, in my eyes, I think there's four teams that can win it. Uh, Papua New Guinea will have great support back at home. Huge passion for that game uh, for the Kumuls up against England, though. It's a, it's a tall ask, isn't it? It's a, it's a massive ask for them. Is there any sort of ray of hope for Papua New Guinea to, to cause the upset of upsets? I think there is. I mean, I'm a. Yeah, I, I love an upset story. I love an underdog story. And um, the way they've played this competition, look, Tonga. Um, as we know, have beaten Australia and things in the past, and PNG almost beat them one-off in this World Cup pool play. Uh, now, England's definitely a tough ask because it's their home tournament, and they've looked very, very good. Some would say oh, yeah. even gone into favouritism the way they've been playing. Um, but PNG, I think, look, I think England win the game, but if, we, if you ask me if there's a chance, as you did, I, I think... PNG will have a array of hope because the first 20, 30 minutes is going to be tough. You could even see maybe a, a try difference in the first half. It'd just be whether they can keep it up in that second half. Well, you loved an underdog story, so you would have loved Fiji beating New Zealand in the last World Cup back in 2017 in Wellington. Um, I see at the TAB, New Zealand paying a dollar point zero zero one. So that's the smallest possible chance imaginable. Uh, surely history doesn't repeat this time, though, right, Blake? No, and see, back then I was going for Fiji. I think I want to go for New Zealand now as I can get two horses in the race. Been here <laughs> long enough now. So. <laughs> yeah. um, Love it. Yeah, but the, um, look, I don't, I don't think they... Look, Fiji will be good. I think if they have Abby Coruscant at number six, which I don't think they have, I think they they could keep the game close. But, um, you know, the TAB offering 30 and a half start for the Fijians, I think they could cover that just because New Zealand's kicking or goal kicking hasn't been the best. But look, the New Zealand lineup, I think, uh, will get them through to the semis where it'll be probably the game everyone wants to see, New Zealand-Australia, which everyone would have thought if they had done the draw properly, it would have been Australia-New Zealand final. Hey, Blake, uh, you, you already mentioned it, but Tonga playing Samoa, uh, unfortunately, on Monday at 3.30. Mm-hmm. Delicious. Um, now... Will there be a huge following for both those teams? Because I know when Tonga play the All Blacks, yeah, it's just a sea of red. Um, that'll be a huge game, won't it? Oh, it will be. And the, what, what Tonga have done, especially in New, in New Zealand when they beat Australia that, that last time at Eden Park, um, you know, you saw the red wave, the cars going down Auckland CBD, mm-hmm. I think, for the next two days. So, um you know, even in the last World Cup where some might have say they got robbed against England in the semi-final. 
um, at Mount Smart. Look, they've done so much for the game and so much for International Rugby League. And Samoa was touted as probably the ones to take the next step. I had my hesitations and I was proven right early, but I think they're starting to come right and come right at the right time. So this game is, you know, if played early on in the tournament, I think Tonga would have run away with it, but this one's going to be real close. And I think, uh, as I said, I don't know if I'll be waking up at 3.30. I might watch the replay, but I dare say everyone in Auckland and uh, the Tongans and Samoans around New Zealand and even Australia will be waking up to watch this because I know it does mean a lot. And it's going to be, I'm tipping it to be the best game of the weekend. Yeah, I'm with you on that one. It, it seems like it's strange times inside that Samoa game. You're so right. They started the tournament really poorly, not living up to the high expectations on them. It sounds like it's it's not maybe a happy camper in the background, but on, on pure talent alone, there's a lot of it. So who are these star men? Oh, well, it, it starts with Jerome Luai. He's he's the grand final winner two years in a row. Um, you know, it starts with him, I think. He And he's going to work off the back of the two big props, um, Josh Papali and uh, Junior Polo. I think those two boys up front need to lead the charge. They've had a lot of injuries. and But the players that have come in, I think it's sort of like they got a chip on the shoulder because they weren't picked in that original team that everyone yeah. was talking about for Samoa. And now these players have been injured. You see the uh, other fellas that have come in from the wider squad and um, look to be trying to prove a point. And look, I, I still think Tonga... I have uh, Australia playing Tonga in the final. So for me, I still think Tonga... Wow. Yet to hit their straps. Jason Tomalolo came back last start, and they looked what well, they put 90 points on, and they looked outstanding. So, I just think they're going to go from strength to strength as well. And they add Will Hopawati back at fullback, who's a seasoned veteran, and he's actually been playing over there and winning titles in England. So, I do think it's close, but I think Tonga get the win and then advance to play England. Interesting. So you got New Zealand um, getting through the semis, getting knocked out by Australia. I completely understand yep. the rationale on that. Tonga getting over England, who you've said England are the form horse. So Tonga, we, we know that the power, um, the pace, all those things there. The big question mark for me, is the game management there, though, for them? That's That was the big ask, and it was probably the same about Samoa. I mean, you had Jerome Luai and then um, Milford, sort of the same player. There's a lot of the unknown with Tonga. So Tui Moala Lolahia, who was a former warrior, who's been over in England playing his trade for the last, well, I'll say six years. And what it does over in England, I don't know if you've watched the games, the in goals are shorter. The fields are marked out differently. There's different type of grass. Like it's, it's so different over there, the conditions, that it does take some players getting used to. And I think that's why we've seen England excel so far where Tui's been over there for six years and done quite well for himself. I think he will be the game manager. And we see young Katoa, who's a young Panthers player, who I believe signed with the new Redcliffe Dolphins franchise, uh, scored 28 points, I believe, in the last outing for Tonga. So, look, their game management, I think, with their big boys rolling forward, they've got a lot of sharp players uh, to play some fast footy. And I think that'll worry England a bit, especially with England after that first game have had a very easy run. Blake, thanks so much for dropping by, mate, dropping the knowledge on us. We really do appreciate it. Enjoy what's going to be a, a pretty heavily uh, packed sport watching weekend, especially the Rugby League World Cup for you, my friend. Thanks a lot, yes, Blake. Yes, it will be. No worries. Thanks, guys. Enjoy. 
Uh, Blake Ace for joining us here on the program. Great to hear his voice, of course, uh, the former Warriors player, former Shark and Tiger as well. Uh, close to 200 games in the NRL. Very so much. Australian living in New Zealand now. Yeah. Oh, okay. What are you? That doesn't really happen. Well, you've seen the light, mate. Yeah, no, it's great. A couple of them Love can it. actually, you know, be intelligent. He was brilliant. Yeah, yeah, there's a lot of Australians. You'd like to think a couple are going to be intelligent, aren't they? <laughs> actually, be with the good guys. Uh, we're going to be with the good guys after this break as we head back and uh, follow more racing. Stay with us. Back on half past 12, half an hour to go in the show. We'll catch up with Clado and crew. We're going to head to Rickerton Park shortly. They're a little bit late to the gate uh, for race number two. Um, we're still on the way there. Uh, so in the interim, Grant, I'll get to my nomination just a little bit earlier than I expected for our uh, Midas Agritires Workhorse of the Week. Midas Agritires, the choice of leading manufacturers. Midas Agritires, European quality made affordable. Um, can I get a non-nomination in? Yeah, get, yeah, I, I, you always like to get a non-nomination. I like to get a non-nomination in um, for uh, the fools at FIFA who have written to World Cup teams, urging them to focus on the tournament in Qatar and not be part of lecturing on morality and dragging football into every ideological or political battle that exists. Those are exact words that uh, Gian, Gianni Infantino, the FIFA president, sent to the 32 nations. Yep, please... Let's now focus on football, he wrote in this mm. letter. We know football does not live in a vacuum, and we are equally aware that there are many challenges and difficulties of a political nature around the world. But please do not f- allow football to be dragged into every ideological and political battle that exists. Okay, the temerity. What? Who dragged football into this, I ask? Who, who, who chose this nation? Gianni, I know you're a big fan of the show. Come in. Come a little bit closer. Lean in. I'll spell it out for you. If I, if I did, you gave it to a nation. It's some uh, pretty dodgy sort of, um, you know, ways to treat, uh, you know, immigrant workers and, um, you know, gay rights, which are virtually non-existent. Yeah, I, I, I wouldn't blame the, blame the countries and uh, teams leading up to it after granting them the competition. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's, that's my thought. But my actual nomination goes to the fans of Philadelphia. The fans of Philadelphia and the Houston Astros. It's a double whammy. I'll uh, go to the fans of Philadelphia, uh, who are wonderful. There's a great line uh, summing up uh, the fans of Philadelphia. Uh, World Series is unlike... Uh, the Houston Astros are inevitable, and this World Series is supposed to be their validation for assembling an efficient machine. The Philadelphia Phillies are a beautiful, chaotic mess that crashed the party already three drinks deep. I do love that. Um, this tweet came out from the Greater Philadelphia Severe Weather Team, um, who announced that, no, it is not an earthquake. The Harper and Bohm home runs are literally registering on the Penn State University Brandywire Seismograph Station. The city, baseball fans, caused, caused a mini earthquake. According <laughs> That's awesome. to the Seismograph, because of the noise. Absolutely amazing uh, for... Uh, them, but uh, I would also like to um, share some love to the Houston Astros, um, who combined for a no-hitter in game number four of baseball's World Series, the last perfect uh, no-hitter in the World Series, way back in 1956. Uh, incredible feat. Uh, the only other no-hitter in postseason history was uh, Roy Halladay's uh, effort in 2010, but the Houston Astros in game number four... Um, very, very rare occurrence, uh, this, and to do it at the full classic, 
first time since 1956. It's quite amazing. It was a team effort. It was the first combined no-hitter. So Christian Javier started. Ryan Presley uh, pitched last. Uh, I think uh, they used another one, maybe two, in the middle there. Um, brilliant effort. Um, and that's the second combined no-hitter uh, Christian Javier and Ryan Presley have been involved in this year. But the one in the World Series is going to be the one that uh, will always be remembered. So they are my Midas Agritize workers of the week, the Houston Astros for pitching a no-hitter in the World Series. Um, they'd lead three games to two, by the way, uh, Houston now after winning yesterday. Uh, so that's our Midas uh, workers of the week. Midas Agritize, made in Europe and trusted by leading equipment manufacturers worldwide. European quality doesn't have to break the bank. Ask for Midas Agritize for your equipment. We're well over the scheduled start time of uh, race number two. At yeah, what's going on? They're I trying don't know. to get the horses in the gates here. There's, uh, the, those are the marshals. Are they called the marshals on the white? Oh, there's a horse bucking in the background. I think a jockey may have just fallen off or well, jumped off. Quite a few are in now, so maybe we can cross to our call team. It is race number two at Rickerton Park. What a finish from Hemi Rudapest. I hope I pronounced that correctly. Uh, horse number one, out of nowhere, Grant Helly. You're off your seat. You're roaring. Well, I took, oh, a, I you took an easy bet, oh, didn't I? Don't, and don't talk about an easy bet. You're just about to speak to Clado. Yeah, well, I, I took a bet on number eight because he was grey, um, but he didn't come in. And Sound then logic. I took an easy bet. And Hemi Rudapest, Rudapest, I don't know how you say it, absolutely Caned it at the end. Came from nowhere. Five or six wide with about 100 to go, weren't they? And Wooshka, number one, edging number three, uh, 12 and third position. What a race. That was uh, very exciting, wasn't it, Grant? It was. I mean, the, uh, my grey horse, I was a bit disappointed. I went on number eight, um, and I can't even... Oh, taking my time, he was called, and he definitely did take his time. <laughs> Unfortunately. Captain's name for your bet. <laughs> I tell you, they were five wide. Speaking of five, Ken writes this on double eight double three. Always appreciate your correspondence here on the Saturday session. Afternoon, guys. Just read a news article out of Australia that in last night's game they had bowl they had bowled at them a five ball over. How does this happen at international cricket level? Question mark. Just as well the Aussies won. Yeah, it's a good question. How does it happen? Well, the umpires, they're counting deliveries. They should be mic'd up or at least listening to someone that can change that because we've seen them at the end of the over, they might change and then suddenly they have to go back and re-bowl the ball. I wonder if it was a five-ball over. I'm going to take your word for it, Ken. Uh, it happens very rarely. But in T20, I mean, you know, you look how close that Afghanistan game was against Australia. Mm. If you're the captain and the coach, you're probably running into the uh, umpire's uh, room and having a little discussion with them about it. So there's an umpire behind the stumps at the bowler's end. There's one at square leg. Square leg. There's, um, so they, they both kind of count. There's a third umpire. There's a scorer. Then there's the match referee, who it probably lands with the match referee um, because he's sitting there with uh, the head of Hawkeye or um, ball tracker. They sit together. So they all missed it. Yeah. So or everyone, it could be a scoring error on your TV. Or it could, yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, exactly right. Yeah. I, I did see some images of, you know, the five dots and then Bowler coming in for the new over and someone had circled it, you know, that, those angry circles yeah. that people people uh, send on social media to try to make a point. I didn't dive um, any further into that story than uh, that, so... 
I'd heard a whisperer. I'm, I'm not really sure of the details. Ken, in, in summary, if it did happen, it shouldn't. Yeah, it right? shouldn't really. It, shouldn't, it should not get through all of those officials that we have just uh, mentioned. There is a whole host of them. There is more handlers for an international game than Clado has to get to work on a Saturday. And we know his entourage is quite large. He's got to move the Hummer to get to the Lamborghini, uh, then to move the Maserati, and then gets generally gets uh, dropped off uh, in the limousine. In the Furore. Yeah, in the Furore amongst his uh, his servants. Oh, Clado, good afternoon. Hey, that's a nice intro, boys, but i uh, got the Mercedes today. Yeah, oh, oh, nice, nice Clado. Oh, convertible? Uh, well, it's less fuss on a yellow bus. <laughs> <laughs> No, actually, I got high, the wind in my head. High-quality European products. Yeah, no, I flew down on the uh, on the scooter today. The wind in my hair. Ah, oh, beautiful, beautiful feeling. Clater. Didn't fall off. That's always a bonus. Clayda, you'll be pleased to know I just took an easy bet, and is it Hemi Redapest? How do I say that? Hemi Redapest? Yeah, it's a bit Rida. of a toughie. Hemi Redapest. Hemi Redapest. Great finish, wasn't yeah, it? What? Great no, finish. Were were, good horse. Uh, it'll win more. It'll win another race or two, yeah. Wow, well, easy bet was right on the nose there. Yeah, paying $4.20 for the win. Did you get the second the and third? Did no, I didn't. No, no, no. So you didn't get no, the easy bet? Well, I did. I, it's, it's like a pack that you get. Oh. So you get a pack, you get the, the winning horse, then you get a Quinella, and then you get a trifecta. Oh, I've never seen one of those, but... Oh, he, he, he doesn't. He doesn't do I'll, sit you, I'll sit you down one day, Clayton. I'll sit you down one day. <laughs> I tried to warn him. I tried to warn him, Clayton. Don't bring up the easy bit with Clayton. He's better than that. He's better than that, isn't he? What have you got for us today, Clayton? You've always got some good oil. Well, the good oil today. We've got a bumper edition today. Plenty of good racing in Australia, but hometown Rickerton. And we've got the 2000 Guineas today, Group 1. And boy, it's shaping up as a great field. And there's probably four or five different ways you can go at this stage. So that's why I've got Louis Herman Watt and Steve McKee in the studio with us to help us out and put a, point us in the right direction. I know Sticko likes Desert Lightning. Louis warming to Desert Lightning. I don't mind Desert Lightning. But are we just that sounds like one horse. That sounds like one horse rather than four or five that you just promised well, us. Well, it just, it just plants are starting to align. But, I mean, Dynastic's not out of it, although we've got an Australian jockey over to ride, Josh Parr. Um, he's he, he's a good horse, Dynastic. A son of El Manzor, of course, won the derby last week, the sire. Pia, top of the page, Aussie Care Colours. And we've got Cognito, who's been down south for quite some time for the Tiakia team. And local rider Jason Laking gets a chance to pick up a $550,000 race. So that would be great for the locals if Cognito could do it. And on his day, he can, he can be good enough, Cognito. And then we've got Desert Lightning, and there's a couple of fillies in the race. This is Dramatics, not out of it, and Pro S. Oh, she's a, she's a real deal, Pro S. Clayton, can I ask you a question? Who's better? You've got Stephen McKee in the, um, in the studio today. Who's better at being an oracle? Is it the trainers or the jockeys? Um, Steve's listening. It's definitely the trainers. <laughs> no, always it, know your audience it's later. all about teamwork it's all about teamwork down from the stable staff you've got a good staff the horses are happy and then it filters through to the trainer and the jockey just has to get on there and do the job and pick up the big bucks I should have been the jockey wow there's one there's one issue with that though isn't there Clayton well it wasn't 40, 50 years ago oh really 
Oh, What's the issue? He doesn't know how to ride a horse. Yeah, that's it. We'll go with that one. No that, balance. That's far less offensive. No yeah, balance. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No hand-eye coordination. <laughs> uh, no whip. Um, he didn't have the tools. He's got the tools after 1 o'clock. Clado and the team are with you. Have a great show, mate. I know it's a great time of the year, and you guys are loving it. Uh, keep out, uh, keep uh, pumping out the quality content. Just so I would keep up with the cricket commentaries. Oh, how good. Well, it's a pretty, pretty high bar there, mate, to be fair. Grant Elliott, who's oh. getting a little bit getting a little bit annoyed, he's not appearing in our videos. You're not happy with this? Yeah, it's just portrait. It's just Daniel McCarty. And I said, why am I not in the video? He goes, oh no, it's just the angle or something. Well, like oh, you're too handsome, mate. Oh. I can't be in a video next to you. That's not fair. It's I'll see not what we fair. can knock up today, eh? In between races. All right, Clay. Uh, the Good Oil with Clado and crew coming up after one o'clock. So fear not, they're only 16 minutes away. We'll take our uh, a break right at this very moment and back with more shortly. It's 12 minutes away from 1 o'clock. Uh, we are on the Homewood stretch on this show. Clayton and the crew will be with you after 1 for the good oil. Uh, we give you the bad oil. Uh, we call it our sporting punts that you should probably run a mile from as we uh, try to, um, you know, or should you? In- invigorate you. You should what? Should you run a mile f- from them? Yeah, I mean, we're, no, we're pretty good. Yeah, that's what we say we're, every week. You should run a mile. I don't know if you should, though. I think that we're, we're rocks or diamonds. Well, last week I went with uh, Houston Astros to win the World Series by four games to one. That's out the back door. It's, well, Houston are up three games to two. So um, I'm out of the money. I, I don't know how you went last week, Goldfish. Well, you have a Goldfish. You probably don't even know what you bet on last I week. I do, actually, because I've still go? got a record. Of right, it. Yeah, cause you've got because it's a long-standing bet, and it came from Zane. It was Zane. That it was a good shout, Zane. wasn't it? Zane had a great shout, and Zane said, I don't know if this was the exact sort of... He said pre-tournament, though, so he would have got much better odds. I think he got 55 to 1. Um, and it was for New Zealand cricket team to reach the final, uh, the New Zealand uh, league team to reach the grand final, the World Cup, obviously, and then the New Zealand woman as outright winner. Ooh. I put I put outright winner, but I think he got to reach the final, which I tried to get in. Anyway, I've got that at... Still, that's an ongoing bet. Um, put on 50, win 1,340. Hmm. Well, good luck to you. Yeah, Inside. but that, that's not my bet this weekend. What was yours last week, Ben? Did you get one, or did you just do one of your pithy, I'll do... No, we ran out of time, so you get to me. Mm. Right, it's, it's hard to, for you to make a nomination last week using two words too, wasn't it? No. <laughs> <laughs> what, what have you well, got? So my bet today um, is actually a text message from uh, uh, AD who's listening in New York who said, who do you think will win the rugby between the number one ranked team, Ireland, and the world champion, South Africa, tomorrow? Which we didn't really talk about. But considering the last win in Ireland for SA was 10 years ago in 2012. They don't tend to do well up north. Yeah, so what I'm going to do is I'm going to reverse that now. And I'm going to say that Italy are going to beat Samoa. Scotland are going to beat Fiji. This is an international rugby union. Wow, so you're going down one of your multi-paths. Yeah, New Zealand will beat Wales. South Africa at $2.50 to beat Ireland and France to beat Australia. So all the home nations to win bar Ireland. Ah, bar Ireland. Who lose to South, South Africa. Africa. Yeah. And it's only paying $6.30. Really? Okay, Not bad. Ben Francis, do you have one? Uh, I do. I got two. I have something that we haven't talked about today. We're going down the boxing road. We're going to go Sonny Bill Williams to beat Mark Hunt. Wow. I I have been living in a T20 World Cup bubble. I had no idea those two were meeting. Is that actually a thing? Yeah, it's happening tonight. 
Wow, I did not know that. There you go. And you've got Sonny Bill winning. I got Sonny Bill I winning. Mark Hunt now. Yeah, I, think I can't. I need. I I need to watch that Mark Hunt documentary. I've heard so many good things about it. A and, powerful, powerful piece. And I'm and I'm very sorry, New Zealand public, but um, Wales are going to be the All Blacks. Wow! First time in sixty-nine years, thirty-two tests, nineteen fifty-three. I think the best bet of the weekend is betting on France to beat the Blackburns oh. in a simple head-to-head. Breaking no, no, hearts. this is You're not my This hearts. is what I think is the best. It's three dollars twenty in a head-to-head. Wow, that's three dollars twenty. The New Zealand women are paying a dollar thirty. I yeah. think that is a bit of home time bias really impacting the market there. Viva but I'm France. not going to go there. I'm going to ask for your help with mine, which means, oh dear, could mean anything. Help me pick a path through to the World Cup semi-finals, Grant Elliott. England, South Africa, uh, play Sri Lanka tonight. Who wins? Oh, England win. England win? All they have to do is win. Okay, yep. so England win. They make it through. Australia out. Through run hip, rate. Hip, hip, hooray, hip, hip, hooray. Unless it's rained out. Yeah, because England's net run rate is higher uh, than Australia's Should I check right the weather? Oof. I'll have to check. Okay, so England beats Sri Lanka. The Netherlands play South Africa. Weather's good. England go through. Yep. Netherlands, South Africa. South Africa will destroy the Netherlands. The Netherlands have had their win. Too much been, pace. They've probably been on the Raz since. Um, Bangladesh, Pakistan. Does it matter? Well, not if you've got South Africa beating the Netherlands. It yeah. only goes down to India beating Zimbabwe. India Zimbab- will beat Zimbabwe. So South Africa and India go through. So South Africa and India go through. And New Zealand and England. And, New Ze- and that would mean India finishes top and South Africa first. So that means New Zealand would play South Africa. In the semis. And England will play India. Yes. All right. Tell me the semi-final victors of that one, Grant Elliott, former New Zealand Cricketing International. New Zealand to beat South Africa. Oh, it's going to be a tough game, that one. I'd rather meet India in the uh, in the semis rather than South Africa. I'd rather meet South Africa in the finals because I think, as I said before, if New Zealand get through the semis, I think that we've played in a, a lot of finals that, that they'll be quite relaxed and perform very well in the finals. England, India. This is a tough call. I'm going to go New Zealand, India final. New Zealand are paying $2.10 to reach the final as it currently stands. Exactly the same as South Africa at $2.10. England at $2. Mm. Um, Probably on the back of that good win over New Zealand, but India looming as the favourites. $1.83 to make it through to the final. So I will trust you, Grant. I will trust you with my bet this week. It might be the last time this ever happens on the program. It will be. $2.10, New Zealand through uh, to progress to the World Cup final, according to uh, Daniel McCarty, here of Grant Elliott. But I still think that France, if you look into emotional hedging like I am, I'm a big emotional hedger, uh, I think that's a good shout. Um, France up against the Black Ferns, $3.20. I hope it's wrong. I really wish uh, all our New Zealand sides, uh, especially at those uh, World Tournaments, all the very best this weekend. A huge thanks to everyone who's played a part in the program. Thanks for all the calls, all the texts, uh, all the guests. Thank you, Mr. Francis. Yeah, thanks for the call-ins and the texts. Always great to hear from the listeners. Anything controversial we love. We're a hard-hitting show this Saturday sesh. Love it every weekend. Thank you, Ben Francis, Daniel McCarty. Look forward to calling the cricket game with you. Yeah, see you midweek, mate, because I don't see enough of you.